0: Let's do the damn thing.
1: Oh, you know what time it is. It's time to take it to the burn land. It's about to go down. Hope you're all ready. Yeah, yeah,
0: let's go. Come and roll with me to the burn land. Friends got to giving you the word, man. Any other BS is absurd, man. Sports talk and they give it to you firsthand. They can talk terps, they can talk old, get a both lit. That's how it goes. Baltimore squad, Ravens and Poe. Better tune in, Here gonna show.
1: Verland, Berlin, Berlin. BS, Burland, Berlin, Burland.
0: about that BS baby what's up BSers what's up peeps Fred Scott Ryan James we got a special guest in the studio today what's up y'all guy you might be familiar with from the chat rooms mr. Joe Carlozo himself hey you got it right hey (laughs) Carlozo it's only two years in the make oh Scott Scott. (laughs) all
2: I did was hit the button
0: yeah (laughs) Or Ryan, I don't know who to blame at that point. That was me. That was me. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we turned it off, though. That's pretty cool. We could turn it off. (laughs) <laughs> Two years in the making, man. We've been talking about this for a while. You joining Definitely. the show, man. So I uh, appreciate you coming in here. And, thanks uh, for having me. Yeah. Thanks for having me on Bloody opening day.
3: Opening day was awesome. It was, which we will
0: get more into that <laughs> it, later. It really was a mandate.
2: Stick, stick, it was a mandate. Right stick, around, <laughs> stick around for the stories, guys. Stick around for the yeah. stories. That's it all was. I'm going
1: to say. Note,
0: note to fans, if you give some Fred something great, you can come on the show. <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> was all about me. All about, uh, it, was a, it was a crazy week, man. We had uh, opening day... I got my second round of my vaccine, which by the way, knocked me on my ass for two days, like literally oh. out of 48 hours. I'm pretty sure I slept like 38 of those 48 hours. Jeez. But did you die? I didn't die. Good. I didn't have anything crazy happen. I was just like, really, really exhausted. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, in a sad news, man, throw up the X. DMX passed uh, yeah. the other day. That's uh, somebody that was the soundtrack to my childhood growing up, my teenage years, my early 20s. You know, that was uh, a great lyricist. Uh, still the red album uh, yeah one of my favorite albums had of all such, time. A, such an
2: overall influence on on the genre yeah. you know and, and where it went uh, you know just the the overall the, that gangster rap style right that's he was one of the additional pioneers that took it to the next level right right there were other guys that pioneered it he just helped take it to the next level yeah man so. but he
0: was rap when rap was rap you know what I mean yeah. like where his, my dogs at? His, <laughs> his lyrics uh, I mean they were tr- true spoken from the heart, shit that he lived through. And you'll never forget the voice. No, you never will, right? Mm
2: -hmm. People are
4: hurting with him, man. I've heard more DMX this week than I've ever heard. Just walking to him from work in Baltimore City and stuff. It's everywhere. It's dark (laughs) and hell is
0: hot and uh, flesh in my flesh. Both of those albums, I listened to them from cover to cover the other day when I was driving around. Actually, when I was going up to get the the shot from Kaylee, I went up there listening to the first album and on the way back. Uh, So rest in peace to the X-Man. There you go. Miss him. Uh, but we got a lot to talk about on the show. Uh, the Ravens bring back a special kind of guy on a one-year deal. Yeah. Catch my drift with that. And then we got special guest Cole Jackson. He's sitting backstage right now. Joining the show to talk all things Ravens offensive line and the pending NFL draft. So excited to have Cole. If you haven't followed him on Twitter yet, be sure you do. What's his Twitter handle? I think it's at ColeJacksonFB. At, at ColeJacksonFB, yep. So make sure you follow him on Twitter. With the Orioles as I mentioned we're talking opening day <clears throat> and the whole new experience at the yard everything from the outside perspective to the lack of amenities inside
2: <laughs> yeah it, there's there's some changes that were surprising Uh, and some changes that were also last-minute and unexpected. I'm interested to get your guys' thoughts on all these.
0: And then, obviously, they've had some highs and lows over the first two weeks of baseball, which we kind of expected with this team. Some oh-yes and some (laughs) oh-no's. So we'll talk some about that. The Terps hoop squad uh, reload with some big-name transfers that we talked about last week. But the national pundits have some pretty lofty expectations already for this team next season. So we'll talk about that and see... Temper yourself, right Yeah, temper, temper some expectations. <clears throat> and in this week's rundown, we're talking Julian Edelman, a Hall of Famer, question mark. History <laughs> See, at better, the Masters. You better put a question mark after that statement. <laughs> History at the Masters, exclamation point. Yeah. And uh, kids helping kids in Atlanta. So. Exclamation point, exclamation point. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Before we do too much, though, we do want to remind you, if you've ever been injured at work or in an auto accident weren't sure who to call, 855-MD-CRASH. The Maryland personal injury attorneys that will have your back. If you find yourself in an unfortunate situation just like I have, give our team at MD Crash a call right away. We all know the cost of medical bills, lost wages, and pain and suffering. It can all add up quickly and potentially put you in a bad financial place. If you want a team that will handle your case, big or small, and just give you some peace of mind, we'll save this number now. 855-MD-CRASH. It's 855-632-7274. Be sure to follow them on Facebook for some fun giveaways, including tickets, which I did get confirmation on, to potential some Oreo games in the future. (laughs) So before we get started, I do want to
2: you know we we said that Joe is here today yeah. before I I apparently jumped the gun with with uh, switching the camera, so I'll switch it back over now that we know it should be good. <laughs> right. Uh, so Joe and I have known each other for years uh, since like late middle school, early, early high school with uh, a, a very close friend of mine, very close friend of his, Mr. Joe Pa, who is now, oh, yeah. shout out to Joe Pa. Joe Pa is now. I still
0: got to meet this guy. He's heard all about him for the last me. three years, and I've never met him.
2: Joe, Joe Pa has has twins, but Joe Pa is now the sports producer for yes. WBAL. Nice. Yeah. So big big news for him. He actually, is, I think last week was his first week. That's awesome. Um, so great shout out to him. But Joe and I have, have known each other for years through Joe Pa, uh, Many of times, we've been drunk together at Joe Paz's <laughs> <chef's> Quar- house, Matt chef's <laughs> house. Quarters. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> It'll be, quarters gets dangerous. Uh, but no, we, we've known each other for years. And then, you know, we continue, continue the friendship, you know, hung, hanging out and, and winds up, you know, he winds up getting uh, tickets, season tickets. And where does he sit? His season tickets are right at the end of the row that we sit in that's awesome <laughs> uh, hey if you
4: guys want to sit on the couch next to each other we can move james
2: up <laughs> that's <laughs> fine we can spoon it's a casting couch <laughs> we can we can make it work uh but no i've known him known him for years uh guy knows his stuff except for maybe maryland because he is a penn state fan
0: but he's this weird state hybrid couch. of a Turf and penn state <laughs> fan just as much as i'm an ohio state and 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 maryland fan. so which is All only right.
4: slightly less weird
0: <laughs> exactly <laughs> Uh, but appreciate you joining us well, on the show, you. man. And, uh, feel free to chime in okay. anytime. All right. So I think we got somebody else waiting backstage. We do. Speaking of guests, man, uh, we're going to bring in one of our special guests, guy that I've known for now for the past two, three years, I guess, via the social media, via Twitter, uh, guy that, uh, has kind of built his name on Twitter through his offensive line evaluations, his film breakdown, uh, Cole Jackson,
5: Cole. Welcome to the show, man. Appreciate you joining us. What's going on, boys? Yeah, now I'm going to have to uh, to bust over the border to get down there and meet you guys in for person. Sure.
1: <laughs> for sure.
0: For those that can't tell by the accent, uh, Cole is from
5: Canada. Whereabouts in Canada are you from, Cole? I'm uh, actually in the uh, nation's capital, Ottawa, Ontario. Oh, okay.
0: okay. Nice. And uh, I know now, I guess you're kind of doing your own thing freelance, right? Not writing for anybody currently, just doing your own thing, right?
5: That's right. We're, uh, I'm just kind of doing my own thing on, on Twitter. I'm looking into doing a little bit of a YouTube series, doing some film breakdowns this year. I might start uh, after the draft and do some uh, start, start pasting some clips together and do some video breakdowns of, uh, of the players that the Ravens do draft. So uh, that's kind of where I'm thinking of going. I was just looking to kind of do my own thing from now on, but formerly a Russell Street report, uh, very amicable split there love those guys over at rsr yeah they're all good nothing guys. but great relationships and great things to say but yeah just kind of doing my own thing now and having some fun with it
0: well let the fans know that we mentioned you're from canada how in the hell did you become a ravens fan living up in canada how did that <laughs> it happen
5: it's funny because it my my dad was a steelers fan and so <laughs> interesting um, and like my dad's like he my my dad was like a big junior hockey player growing up so he was like in that breed of, of junior hockey players that were like rough and tumble guys. Like he, he was, a, he was an enforcer for the teams he played for. And, uh, like he got into Steelers football cause they played that style. And so I just watched football with him every Sunday. And I, I just, I fell in love with Bray Lewis and those, you know, late nineties teams. And then they right. won the Super Bowl, and I just kind of took off and he let me do my own thing. And, uh, I just kind of followed them ever since, so it, it was kind of weird how it all worked out. It doesn't really make all that much sense, but <laughs> right. um, I, I got to say, it was it was falling in love with Bray Lewis, like in those 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 early days of like when he was five six years into his career, and then obviously watching that go through the two thousands and those two thousand defenses, and you know, I was just kind of raised with that blue collar mentality, and that's that's what play like a Raven meant, right? So it was, right. it was something I could resonate with.
0: Right. Well, another thing that I thought was kind of interesting with you is uh, I guess you got your true Baltimore baptism via Twitter, right? So there was some rumors that going around that you had never had uh, Old Bay before. And it was yeah. kind of an interesting journey how you got the Old Bay. Tell everybody a little bit about that.
5: <laughs> so it's funny. Uh, Adam Adam Bonacorsi tweeted, tweeted out something about Old Bay wings. And I was like, I'm going to regret saying this, but what's old day? so he, uh, he, he DMs me right away and he's like, you don't know what you just did. Right. And so I, I like go on, because everything I do online, I have to go like walmart.ca, right. independent.ca. And everything's just .ca because that's what I deal with up here. Couldn't find it anywhere in Ottawa. And I was, it was at the point during the pandemic where... Daycares in Ontario were still closed. So I had my daughter home with me. I threw her in the car. (laughs) I drove into Ottawa to check out some of the, like the more specialty stores. Turns out I find some, threw it on some shrimp. It was delicious. And I haven't looked back. I throw it on everything. (laughs) That's that's (laughs) going to be my follow up
0: question. Are you using it the way you're supposed to, which is you're using it on everything.
5: Pop popcorn, eggs, chicken. Yeah. So I think I think we need.
2: I need. We need to immerse him even more. We need (laughs) to send him some J O spice. Because J O spice is. I know Old Bay is Maryland, but J O spice, the flavor of J O spice, is elevated. Scott,
0: I lost a little respect for you on that one. I'm a little respect for you. I'm telling you, J O spice (laughs) is like a good secondary option if you have no other choice.
5: In my well, I've heard there's yeah, Old yeah. Bay hot sauce. Is that true? That is.
0: That's a new thing. Uh, oh, the guys over there, Jimmy's, the man, time. they've got a ton of it there. I just, uh, I had it for the first time a couple weeks oh. ago. That is good stuff. If you're a hot wing fan and you like Old Bay, oh, yeah. it's a match made in heaven, man. It's good stuff. So, <laughs> did, did, this whole thing with you and and offensive line and and – your film breakdown specific to that group. Did you did you play football growing up? Were you an offensive lineman growing up? Like, how did that kind of come about?
5: Yeah, so uh, I grew up playing. Uh, I, I was I was always a left guard. I played some fullback. I played uh, some some defensive tackle and some middle linebacker. But my, my my roots were always left guard. That was the position I played like almost my entire career. Um, so I played high school up through. We had a really really. Uh, solid program at the high school I went to here in Ontario. We were a really small school, a double A program, only like 400 kids in the high school. And so uh, we, we won a couple Eastern Ontario championships, went on to uh, provincial championships in my, in my senior year. And then, uh, you know, just getting into the, to to the Ravens. And I, I just, I just missed the game when I, when I got done playing. So I, uh, I picked up coaching. I coached, you uh, um, a high school up in Ottawa. And then I coached in the Cumberland Panthers organization and Cumberland Panthers organization is actually where Neville Gallimore played his youth ball oh, okay. before he went, uh, he ended up going to a, he went to a prep school in Canada before going down to Oklahoma. But uh, he's, he's from Ottawa. He was like kind of the first big, there's another guy, uh, Eli Anku, Anku, who's playing for the Cowboys right now. He's a defensive tackle. He played at UCLA. He was another Ottawa born kid. Wow. Um, so like, there's plenty of, kids from our program that's gone on to the cfl but um not too many nfl players so it was kind of cool to see him uh go on and do that and we're starting to send uh uh there's a there's a there's a school in delaware and a school in maryland where we're kind of have a pipeline through our youth program right um saint james school i think is what it's called in maryland it's in like hyattsville if i'm saying that right okay that sounds right yeah yeah, yeah. So, so some people out there that are from that area would might might know it so we like i I just sent my left tackle down there a year ago so he's nice. he's playing there uh in grade nine i coached 13 and 14 year olds and then oh, okay um yeah it was just kind of like uh getting more into the game and you know picking up on a lot of clinic work and you know trying to better myself as a coach and as a as a player evaluator and it's just gotten me more into you know the nuts and bolts. It's funny. I say all the time, I I wish I had this knowledge when I actually played the game. <laughs> I would have right. been such a better player. <laughs> like, it's uh, it's funny to look back on, but right. uh, yeah, I was playing, coaching that sort of thing.
2: That's awesome, man. So, being that obviously you you, you love the offensive line, you love to target. Let's let's kind of. Take, take a minute and break down the offensive line situation yeah, that's for been the Ravens some,
0: right now. That's been something Scott and I have been talking about for a while now. Ad nauseum. I, I mean, it's, for me, it was the single biggest difference in the lack of success, I guess, if you could say that, between the 19 season and the 20 season. The biggest difference for me was the offensive line. So we'll start it off with obviously the, the biggest hole that was left last year, replacing Marshall Yonda. I know it's no easy task. Uh, you could tell just by the struggles from last year and everything. What's your take, obviously, on the addition of Kevin Zeitler? He seems to be the right fit to slide in there at right guard. What's your take on him? What can he bring to this offensive line?
5: It's a good question. Uh, me and one of the guys that I do a lot of films, film watching, film discussions with, Michael Crawford, uh, at A.Bukari on yeah. Twitter, um, he's like, I've learned so much from that guy, It's it's hard to even... Wrap my head around how much I've learned from him, but we 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 watched him as soon as he as soon as the signing was announced, and uh, I think the biggest thing you're going to get with him uh, that like, no one's going to replace Marshall Yonda. I mean, right. he's a, he should be a Hall of Famer. Um, he's a Hall of Famer in my opinion, just because I don't think people truly realize how dominant he was for so long, um, even up until his last year. Like it was, he just the kind of guy when you're when you're watching film and you're watching every game, you really start to notice that it's almost like I stopped watching right guard because everything was just, I knew was going to be handled there. So uh, that type of consistency is, is, is impossible to replace, but here's something I did notice in his uh, film with the New York giants that I think he's going to bring that Yonda brought. It's really that communication pre-snap. You, you see it uh, if you want, even you can see it on the broadcast, but if you watch in the all 22 from the, uh, the end zone angle, he's pointing out uh, coverage calls nonstop. He's pointing out blitzes. He's communicating with his other offensive linemen. And I think that's one of the biggest things the 2020 line was missing. Yeah. Um, and I think also like, you know, Bozeman was in his second year starting. Skurro was technically in his in his uh, third year starting. But, you know, Skurro went through so much that I think he was just trying to focus on, you know, being healthy enough to play. And, you know, I, I really think if he doesn't get hurt in 2019, not only do I think that playoff game is different in 2019 because – there's been so much talk about our pass protection, but it was really our run blocking. That was terrible in that Titans game in in 2019. And it was just that kind of a gap left side that really struggled in that. Like we were just getting owned by Jarrell Casey and, uh, and uh, Jeffrey Simmons and, and even Daquan Jones had a hell of a game. So um you know that but but it was that and then not having skur again the next year's it's just it's so tough for him to return from that injury and expect him to return to form so you know it's losing yonda it's having an unhealthy Skura, it's bozeman who in my opinion yeah. is playing out of position like it's just so much and then all the injuries and the line combinations and, right you know i mean we were at the point where we were like shuffling our right tackle mid-game. It's yeah. absolute insanity. Um so I think what Zeitler is gonna bring you is he's gonna bring you more consistency. He's gonna bring you better pass protection, that's for sure. Um he's gonna bring you a bit better run blocking. I wasn't overly thrilled with his run blocking. He's a good run blocker, but Um, I think he's a better pass protector in in my opinion, but that intangible of bringing the leadership and bringing that kind of IQ pre-snap, it's going to make a huge difference with these young players. So
0: you brought up communication. And I think that's a key point because this is something I talked about uh, probably about a month ago now at with the question marks that we have at center, obviously Matt Scurra has now moved on, right? So we haven't signed anybody as a free agent, a veteran to bring in at center it's going to be somebody that doesn't have a ton of experience. You know, you, you got Pat McCari, which he hasn't looked good at center. You got Colon Castillo, which he looked good in the two sample sizes that we had. Granted, it was a very small sample size. But I think communication is going to be key, especially from that right guard to center. If you're going to have a young guy in there, there's a lot of different things that can happen. Obviously, the Ravens could go draft for center because there are some good centers, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Do you think the Ravens, though, are comfortable – right now with the Pat McCarry and Cologne Castillo combination? Do you think that they're
5: comfortable in that? I think they like Bradley Bozeman sliding over to center. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't know how widely reported it, it was, but the week before, the, so it would have been the last week of preseason, but not during prep week for week one. They rolled out a line combination of Macari at left guard, Bozeman at center, and Tyree Phillips at right guard, and I think they just wanted to give it a look. And I don't think it got widely reported um, I know what happened, uh, but I, I know that they were at least thinking about it. And I think they ch- they decided to go with some continuity. They thought Skura could hold up uh, with his knee right. and they would leave Bozeman where he was because at least that was some form of continuity. So when you look from 2019 to 2020, the only thing changing was going from Yonda to Phillips. That's in their head, but that's not factoring in Skura playing on you know a bum knee um so i think that they're going to entertain that but i also would not write off a drafted guy i think Makari has shown us that if he's your sixth guy your sixth offensive lineman he can literally come in and spot play at all five positions that is valuable they loved that about james hurst i know fans hate james hurst i personally liked him like he was one of my guys but he was the same kind of thing you have to know what you have in him having that type of ability to come in and play multiple positions, first man off the bench is so valuable. So if that's kind of Macari's role, I think we're in a good spot and Colin Castillo is a tough one for me because if I'm evaluating just his performance, I really don't have much negative to say, but are we really going to go with another undrafted free agent at center? Like, do we feel good about that as a fan base? I know I don't. Um, So I, I, I guess I wouldn't say that that's, a bad idea but it's a risky idea
0: 100 agree follow
2: follow up to that before we kind of move to the the elephant in the room that wants to <laughs> wants to be traded uh but when it comes to when it comes to that center is there any guys out there that you can think of in free agency that i mean i we we've, we've talked about it there's nobody that stands out to us but is there anybody that you know of or you can think of that could
5: possibly come in and be a fit I think the only guy that's left that could be a good fit is, is Austin Reader from uh, from the Chiefs line. I don't know if he's signed. I might be wrong. Someone in chat might might say no, he already signed, but uh, right. I don't. Th- I think he's still an unrestricted free agent. He's the only guy I could think of that would be kind of that that top guy that kind of steps in and he's your starter. Um, the Chiefs do a lot of similar things to the Ravens. I know people don't really want to agree with that, but but they do. They they run a blended gap zone scheme. Uh, you know the passing offense has similar concepts in the sense that it's a West Coast offense. So I think he and I mean Mahomes plays out of shotgun pistol a lot, so he'd be used to those uh, snapping patterns, right. uh, which you know brings PTSD to all of our <laughs> all of our lives. Right. Um, so I, I think that is a possible fit. Is he going to be that much of an upgrade? Do we want to pay that type of money for you know a slight upgrade? That's where it gets a little interesting, but that's kind of the last remaining guy that's that's out there in my opinion that would kind of be a plug and play starter at center all
2: right okay so from upgrades talking about upgrades to talking about I, my opinion there's not a doubt about it it's no matter which way you go we could be looking at a downgrade very easily uh at right guard right obviously tackle. Or right tackle uh with obj so right obj he's he's seems to be done for whatever reason he he thinks he's the left tackle and wants to stay that way what do you see them doing with him do you, do you see them trading him do you see them keeping him like what do you see happening here
5: uh, at this point I think they're not getting the trade interest that they want to get the return that they that they expect so that's um, so. that's
0: the question that what do you think actual real compensation is for him for me it's it's a, a blow first at minimum in my opinion.
5: See, I, I think he's worth a mid first. I think, okay. uh, I think teams are going to be, uh, they're not, they're going to be willing to try or with, what they're, if I'm an opposing team, I'd be trying to leverage his inexperience at left tackle. And the yeah. fact that you only have uh, 10 games and in, in 2020 at left tackle to say, you know, it's a bit of a risk. He hasn't done it. Like and try and downgrade his value that way. But, you know, a lot of his traits um, project just as, just find a left tackle. Like he he uses his length so well that it masks his foot speed. It's one of the things that he was on uh, Brandon Thorne's uh, podcast before the season started. It's called Trench Warfare, and it was like hearing him talk about how he prepares for rushers how he uses, he knows he's slow. Like, he knows he's slow. For it. <laughs> um, he knows damn well. And he talks about using his length, using his knowledge of the rushers he's playing against. And you see it in his play. Like, he he knows he's slow, but he knows how to cover he it. He makes up for and it. And smarts. Absolutely. And, like, it's one of those things where his ability to do that at right tackle, it's hard to kind of say, well, you can't do it on the left side. Really, what there's been this big conversation about you know, right tackle with with the evolution of shotgun offense, and there's so much throwing at a shotgun, it's kind of limited the blind side for the quarterback because you know they're not taking those five seven drops dr- drop steps uh, where their back is literally turned to the le- left side, their blind side.
1: Right. Um,
5: I think, and there's been a lot of debate about this. Um, I remember David Bakhtiari was weighing in on it last summer uh, with John Ledyard, and you know what what people don't realize is. When the quarterback can see you, he can work off of what he's seeing from your block. So if a guy's trying to bend you and you're pushing him out of the pocket, he can literally see you and step up in the pocket. But if it's on your blind side and you can't see that even if you started in shotgun, he has to basically feel you. And so you kind of have that 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 chemistry built where he knows the way you're playing and you have to play to that standard for the quarterback to work off of you because he literally can't see it while he's going through his progressions. So that is always going to disadvantage a tackle because there's a higher expectation that he's going to be more consistent in his reps and how he plays a guy. Um, So I do think that that is relevant and it makes left tackle harder, but in the way Orlando Brown jr. Plays, I don't think it's going to impact him making a transition to the left side. So, all of that said, that was a very long rant. All of that <laughs> no, said, you're good. He's he's worth he's worth a mid first round pick. Like he's in that that like I, I would I would I would accept if Indy wanted to you know go get him to be their left tackle. Number twenty one would be cool with me. I'd live with that. Um, I don't like. I saw someone in the chat. If Chargers offer number thirteen, completely agree. Yeah. Don't see it happening. <laughs> I don't think they'll do that. But it's kind of that. Yeah, thirteen to twenty one range is where I see it. But I'm at the point where we just went through a full year of offensive line, you know, musical chairs. I just want to leave it as it is because I know. the value of his play in 2021, where I know I'm getting top five right tackle play, top three right tackle play, and I know that I have a very good left tackle if Ronnie Stanley gets hurt again, if Ronnie Stanley can't get up to speed for week one because, you know, who knows right like it's not a guarantee he's back 100 percent week one right so i i'm in the boat where i want to keep him but there there's a price to pay Like there's a price at which i would trade him and it's that mid first round but i'm just not going to go down to you know that pick number 33 from from jacksonville i'm not going that low right so i have my price i'll trade him but i'd prefer to keep him
0: so let me ask you this then let's let's say that he does get traded and before we get into the draft side of things and who his replacement would be through the draft, current roster situation, I mean, really the only guy, in my opinion, that has the ability to play right tackle would be Phillips, but I don't like that option. It makes me want to vomit thinking about the option. I like Phillips as like a swing tackle, and I think that there's a lot of growth with him, but he's super raw um, and, and you saw that in his play last year. What's your take on Phillips? I mean, do you think he's ready to step up into that role? If God forbid we do trade Brown,
5: I think. Uh, so after we drafted him, I hadn't watched a ton of him before the draft. um He was kind of a—he was a shock to me on draft night. He was like, "What the last pick?" I was up till two a.m. that night on <laughs> on the Friday, watching his tape. Like, who the hell is this guy? And. Uh, there, he did some he did some good things in that LSU game where he was blocking uh on Chazon on yep. basically the whole game. Uh he, he had a nice ability to set vertically. I think where I saw the specific issue. If you were like, what was his specific issue when he moved back to offensive tackle? When he slid inside to right guard, you could see it in weeks one, two, and three. He was basically taking his pass protection steps as if he was an offensive tackle. And right. what I mean by that is if he's setting on a on a on a three tech that's you know making an outside step or a four tech that is his man because there's a six or seven tech outside of the tackle he's taking those kick steps but offensive tackles and offensive guards take s- different types of steps it's it's still a kick step to move back and a post step to move up but they're quicker choppier um, you know things are quicker on the inside that's kind of a lost understanding in terms of offensive line play right. so you would see him take those longer strides and what happens when he takes those longer strides on the inside against these guys that are moving quicker and less space is he's oversetting on them and so that really adjusted i think the way his pass protection uh got better each game as an offensive guard was truly impressive um and then you know the he, he got hurt and then when he came back stanley had been hurt so he played right tackle so that was a bit of a gong show because now he has to go back and change his footwork again and so I think that mental development was tough on him um I don't know if anyone saw the video that he just put up where he was doing some drills I did saw Um, yesterday that's a lot of inside work that I'm seeing a lot of those quick short steps that I'm talking about is what he's doing so I think he's a guard I think he can play tackle I said this after I did my film watch last summer I think he could develop as a tackle because I saw a really strong ability to uh, set vertically and i think that could really help him build the type of skill set that i just talked about with orlando brown jr right um but i see him as a very high ceiling guard but he's just not there yet like he, he needs time his run blocking was terrible he was out hands over his feet the entire year um and when you kind of start your rep that bad it's really hard to get into the second level and that's really what ben powers brought um, was was combo blocks into the second level, and he was springing some of those those runs just because he had more experience at guard. He was ready for the run blocking that was required.
0: Yeah, so you bring up Ben Powers. That was going to be the next guy I bring up because I don't understand why we haven't seen more of him on the field. I don't know if there's maybe something that we're missing, but the, the little bit of work that I've seen him play, he's looked good to me inside. And maybe that is part of the plan, like you mentioned, if, if they're potentially moving Bozeman into center, that Powers would then slide into left guard. What's your take on Ben Powers and what you've seen with him so far?
5: I was really impressed. I, I It was one of those things where if you go back to his first preseason, which was twenty nineteen eighteen twenty right. whatever, his first preseason, um, he, he played those reps at left guard, which is where he played in Oklahoma. And Oklahoma guards do a lot of the same things the Ravens do. They're trapping. They're pulling. They're doing a lot of that type of movement thing. They had this play where their left tackle would pull on a trap, but it was a run fake. It was a uh, play action play, and Ben Powers would have to kick step all the way to the left tackle's man. That's an athletic block. No matter how you slice it, whether it's college football or not, that is not an easy block. So that was his big thing coming out. Was was he? He wasn't athletic enough. That's what everybody said. That's what they say about everybody now, and it's becoming a cliche. It drives me nuts. Right. Um, I think where I saw his biggest issue, and it came up last year, was he does struggle with flexibility. Um, he, he really doesn't have that lower body flex that you'd like to see from from inside guys. I made a joke on uh, the Film Study podcast that he needed to hook up with a soccer mom and start going to Saturday morning yoga, <laughs> get, get, get the hips loosened up, right. uh, so that, that's something that I think he can improve, but he, he definitely played well. I think he fits left guard. Um, I think he, you can see it in his pulls. He, he does struggle with some of the hip mobility to, to make that drop step, drop step and accelerate. Right. So there are some technical things he can work on, but you know, I really see if they decide Bradley Bozeman is, 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 is a possibility at center... Um, that Phillips versus powers competition at left guard. I think both fit well at left guard. Tyree Phillips pulled really well this year when he was at right guard. Um, he pulled a ton at left tackle at Mississippi state and he pulled well. So I think he has that type of ability. Um, I think both can become, you know, very solid pass protectors, which is always good on the left side beside your left tackle. Right. Um, so theoretically say they made no changes to their starters and they went with, okay, Bozeman, you're a center, uh, Phillips, you're going to compete with powers at left guard. I'm going to be, it's risky. It's risky in the sense that, you know, you're kind of, you're moving a guy and then having a competition between two guys that I think showed promise, but didn't necessarily grab the bull by the horns um, when they played right guard last year. But I wouldn't be necessarily terrified as I would if Phillips was say playing right tackle in place of Orlando Brown. So, but, but it's one of those things where, What's what's the what's the what's the spot to make that upgrade? You know, and that's where I see, you know, a lot of draft prospects where you could just plug and play at center and, you know, just run with it.
2: Well, right. you brought up the draft, right? We've been talking a lot about internals and the Ravens have it, it got some serious decisions to make. Right. Because if you're going to go in this draft, there's only a hand. There's less than a handful of guys that you're going after. Uh, that are, are plug and play at right tackle there's less than a handful of guys at center that are really going to be plug and play uh, that don't need a whole lot of development time so kind of wanted to talk about that right so what are some guys that you think of when you look at this draft that you think wind up being a good fit for this system and be a being a plug and play type situation because we need a, a center you know if you can get a center and not if you're not going to do uh bozeman over there you need that if you're it, ultimately you're going to need a replacement at some point for obj whether that's this year or next year maybe this is the year you get that guy and then you you let him develop behind him for a year uh while he finishes out or maybe you wind up saying okay now we got this guy let's go ahead and trade him now and maybe you can get something for next year uh, but w- what's your take what are some guys that you think fit well here
5: so if we're looking at the, the center prospects, there's, there's really three guys that I kind of see as plug and play centers. Um, you know, day one starters where I'm going to feel pretty comfortable. One of which isn't, you know, the most comforting because he's coming from a small school, but Landon Dickerson and Creed Humphrey are two guys that I think if they're drafted, they're day one starters at center. You just kind of, you just kind of plug them in and, and let them play. I think both fit the scheme well. Like I said, Oklahoma does a lot of things that the Ravens do. I don't think it'd be a big shock for Creed Humphrey. Um, We were talking about communication. Creed Humphrey beside Kevin Zietler would be really, really good for that kind of pre-snap getting guys set up. So I think that's one thing that would make a ton of sense. When you look at Landon Dickerson, he plays like a Raven. He has that skill set from Bama where they run that kind of mixture of gap and zone. So he's used to making the kind of blocks he'll be asked to make. Uh, he's a dog. He can get down in the trenches and he'll he'll just work guys. Um, so he's he's got that kind of that that fit to me. Um, I think you have to be obviously a little concerned about his knee. Uh, right. I, I wouldn't take him off my board, but you know I, it's one of those things where we can talk about medicals till the cows come home, but <laughs> we're not the ones exposed to that information. So it's hard to really. Kind of scratch him off the list, and then the, the third guy for me is uh, is Quinn from uh, Wisconsin Whitewater. Uh, kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, his Senior Bowl was nuts; like he was absolutely incredible to watch. I was able to find two games uh, of all twenty-two on him. They were hard to find. Uh, it, it's always tough to compare. I remember watching Matt Judon when he was at Grand Valley State, and even John Daka, who was with us from JMU. Um, And you watch their film and they're just dominating guys because they're so much more athletic. And it was kind of that with Quinn on the inside. Um, So it was, it was tough for, for, for that to kind of do that projection, but you did get the senior bowl um, to kind of see him against peers. And, you know, if he had struggled even a little bit, I think that that would have made me kind of pause, but he, he just, was dominant at so, the senior bowl so. so do
0: you see him as like a, a legit plug and play kind of guy day one or do you see him as more of a developmental guy
5: i think it's it's riskier because like i said that competition it's, right. it's hard to have that kind of evidence base to, to to make a strong case that he's plug and play um he would be kind of i guess you could put Dickerson and Creed in, in kind of tier one, and then he's leading that tier two guys, that really fringe tier one, tier two guys. I see him as that good. Like if wow. like I said, if he didn't have such a good senior bowl, I would have felt a lot different. Right. But he was so dominant, and he just didn't – I, I expected him to kind of come in and, and struggle a little bit, and he didn't. He just kind of took off. Right. So – And then we're looking at kind of lower tier two guys. There's Josh Myers out of Ohio state. I'm not a huge fan of, um, I I've watched him quite a bit. I do think Ohio state um, has some good uh, transferable uh, scheme notes that work well for the Ravens. I mean, that's one of the benefits of the Ravens running such a diverse scheme where they, they mix zone and gap concepts and even a little bit of traps. Um, So that, that is helpful. Um, but I'm just not big on him. I didn't find he had a lot of lower body power. He kind of struggled with, with that. Um, and his, his past walking was pretty good. I, I, I don't think, I don't think he'd come in and have a huge struggle, but I don't know if he's like a day one kind of run with it and, and never look back type of starter. Okay. So I wasn't too thrilled with his film. And then you get down a little bit there, there, there are guys that people are saying could slide over. There's, uh, like, There's been talk about Dylan Radons and right. uh, and Brady Christensen or tackles that could come play center. Um, those are always tough to project. I just had a tweet yesterday actually about like it's it's a good kind of thought exercise. What are the transferable skills that a center needs that you can look at in an offensive tackle and see that progress on the inside? It's something that I need to do um, a little bit more thinking about to kind of speak to. I will say Dylan Radons is, I think he's 6'6", six, 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 301, but he's got a really slight build to him. So I'd be a little worried about plugging him in center day one without his body doing a little bit of, uh, transforming, especially his lower body. Right. Um, and then you're kind of getting into that lower tier of, you know, you got Kendrick green out of Illinois, who would be switching to center. You have Trey Hill out of Georgia. So that's a name.
0: Trey Hill was a name that I've heard all over the place. I've had people say that he's a high day two pick, and I've heard some people say that he's a day three pick. So he's been the guy that like I've been most intrigued to to hear other people's opinions on because if you don't land – for me, if you don't land one of those top two tier one guys, you know the Creed Humphrey of the world and the uh, Landon Dickerson's of the world in round two, if you don't get one of those guys – then, yeah, you got to. If you want a plug and play guy, you got to be smart about who you're
5: getting. And this guy seems to be the most polarizing. What's your take on him? So, one thing that is working for Trey Hill is he's absolutely a scheme fit. And mm-hmm. to compare to other guys that are kind of in that tier, like Jimmy Morrissey and Drake Jackson are light 300 and under guys that are going to fit in a zone scheme. You know, they're going to fit with the Steelers, they're going to fit with the uh, Vikings, they're going to kind of fit in those 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 roles where they're not going to be asked to down block and blow guys off the line as much as the Ravens are going to ask them. So I will give Trey Hill that credit because he, he is a scheme fit. So say something nice about Trey Hill. He's a scheme fit. Um, (laughs) That said, uh, I, I didn't like his tape. Um, I did, I didn't like it a lot. Um, he, he plays out of control with his upper body. Um, he is powerful, but, I mean, you can just see he doesn't have a lot of flex in his lower body. And a lot of the times he's winning with upper body strength. And to be fair, the man is a dog. I'll give him that. Right. Uh, he finishes like an absolute animal. Like, he he wants to put you into the ground. Um, and that's like, I mean, he's like 6'3", 330. Like, he's just a big dude. And once he gets moving, uh, like, he's going to he's gonna body guys. But I see a lot of similar issues that I saw this year with with Tyree Phillips where he's kind of playing out over his feet. He's overextending. Um, He's not able to kind of get low on guys when he's directly putting, uh, putting his hands on like a zero one tech. Right. Um, And then there were also some issues I found where if he was, if he was doing his because Georgia runs a lot of zone. If, if he was combo blocking and he had a couple of steps to get into a linebacker, he was kind of able to use his length and and get low. I think he's a really intelligent player. He's, he he makes me think, the the way I look at him is he looks like he does his prep work. He knows what he's doing. He knows how to manipulate guys uh, with angles to make seal blocks. So that's really important. But when he was getting, you know, one step in a combo block into the second, um, into the second level Mm. where a linebackers right up on him, he isn't able to, coil his hips and get low again and then start drive blocking and that's where he ends up high and that might work in the college football level where he's just bigger than a lot of dudes right but when he's trying to body up on these nfl linebackers it's just not going to be as successful so if we're talking about like a day if if, go back to our hypothetical if they're going to roll with bozeman at center and they want a guy that's going to kind of develop under him with say a uh Colin Castillo, I'd be okay with Trey Hill because I do think he's a scheme fit. I think he's got some things that can develop, but he needs a ton of work on his technique. Like I don't see that as a day one starter. Right. So naturally, he'll probably come in and be completely fine and be a day one starter. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, then Let's go with the other the
0: other hypothetical, the other situation we talked about yeah. the Orlando brown trade. let's say that that trade does happen uh, and now we're in the game of replacing Orlando Brown, right? Uh, let's say we get that mid round first round pick that you would mention. Who are some guys that might be available in the middle of that first round? I mean, some guys that I've kept an eye on and Scott and I have been talking about for the past couple of weeks. you got Rashawn Slater out of Northwestern, who's a very versatile guy. He plays a little bit all over the offensive line, which I like that. Uh, you got Tevin Jenkins, who we both like. Dude's the a baller, like. but some question his effort at times. Uh, I don't know if these are two guys that are on your radar. radar in the middle of the first round. Who are some guys you're looking at?
5: I think Sewell, Slater, and Derrissar are all going to be out of reach even if we get that pick. I think they're going to go higher than people expect. Wow. Um, I could even see Slater going to someone like the Cowboys, and it's kind of a shocker that they didn't take a cornerback again. Um, But, (laughs) yeah. Um, But Tevin Jenkins is an absolute dog. He's one of my favorite players in this draft. Um, If he was somehow there at 27 – I would absolutely take him, throw him at left guard for a year, and then move him over to right tackle next year when when Brown Junior walks. Right, um, he's a dog. Like he's he's perfect scheme fit. He's I, I don't really. I guess I watched about five games on Jenkins, and I didn't really see the effort thing. I didn't um, either. I didn't. I don't watch a
0: ton of film like you do, but the little bit that I watched, I never saw an, an issue with effort. But that's the thing that I've heard most.
5: Yeah, I think it came out of some reports from coaches. So I don't know if maybe in practice. Somebody trying to it. lower his
0: stock value. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah maybe value. it's
5: yeah, EDC after he broke someone's <laughs> <and> he got <laughs> in there. And, right. Um, so I like Jenkins is a perfect fit. I think he's that he's got that skill set that I think projects well as a because this is the thing when when we hear guys talk about um taking offensive tackle and moving them inside. I don't think people will realize that there's an entire skill set that needs to be evaluated to fit on the inside. You can't just take a slow offensive tackle and assume he'll be a good guard. Just look at DJ Fluker. He wasn't good at anything, even though (laughs) he fit that mold. Um, But uh, so I I think Jenkins has those prerequisites that I like to see in a player to move inside. And to be fair, I thought Tyree Phillips had them too. Um, you know, the, the the ability to have quick feet, quick hands, that sort of thing. So, um, he's a guy, if we're getting, you know, kind of into where I think guys could be there at 27, um, a guy that gets talked about a lot is Jalen Mayfield. I think he's really going to struggle at offensive tackle in the NFL. Um, he really struggles with foot speed and he doesn't show an advanced understanding of using his length. So that gives me a concern. Um, Jackson Carmen is one of those guys where I think he's he's again pegged as a guy that's you know bigger slower so he should move inside i think he does a really good job with his length i think alex leatherwood does a really good job with his length um so those are two guys that i think you could get away with at right tackle um and then a guy like liam Eichenberg is extremely intriguing He uses a notre dame left tackle i think he can play left tackle in the nfl but it's the same thing as orlando brown if i get him as my right tackle i'm just as happy um he kind of fits that power scheme uh Mold where I think he can down block and really push guys off the line, uh, the way Brown does. So he's a guy that really intrigues me. Um, Sam Cosme is he's a really solid player, he's a little bit lighter, and I think he does it really well in space. But I, I wonder if he's a better fit for his own scheme. So right. that's kind of where I'm at with him. And then if we get a little bit lower, one guy that I think is severely underrated is Stone foresight out of Florida. I haven't seen him yes. talked about a ton. But he is a guy that I have my eye on. Yep. Same with Brady Christensen. I think he's really solid. Um, and so, where I'm going with this, and why I'm listing so many names, is the reason Orlando Brown Jr. is probably not going to realize his draft value <laughs> is because this—it is insane. Like you yeah. could look at like a guy like Brandon James from Nebraska, and he's probably going to be there in like the fourth round. In any other year, we might be talking about end of round two with him. Like wow. he's that solid so uh and even a guy like josh ball josh ball at a marshall he's like 6 350 he is your ideal right tackle in a power scheme he's got quicker feet than than you'd expect from a guy his size like there there are a lot of fits in this class so I, I think I think that's what's really gonna hurt them in terms of trying to get his trade value.
0: It'll be interesting to see what the Ravens do because even yeah. if they don't trade Orlando and they keep Orlando, because this is such a tackle rich draft, and because they know the end game is that Orlando's going somewhere else. It's just whether it's now or whether it's at the end of his contract, do the Ravens spend a draft pick, even if they don't get him, you know don't trade him this year, uh, to put a guy behind him and develop him and have him learn behind Orlando for a year.
5: I think it's a perfect situation. And that's why a guy like stone Forsyth who uh, ironically Forsyth needs to really work on his run blocking, which I think people could look at and be like, well, how's he a fit for the Ravens? Um, but it's because I think he has the transferable skills to be able to develop that skill set, And he's such a good pass protector that I feel pretty good about him and offensive tackle. Um, but like, if you could get Forsyth in like, even the third round, it might seem like a bit of a reach because you're you know, maybe sitting him on the bench for a year. But, I mean, you're going into 2022 and you're like, all right, bye Orlando Brown. Thanks for the third round comp pick. <laughs> right. We got Storm Forsyth now. I, I, I really like that idea, and I think this is such a solid class that there are um, a number of guys that could really fit that, kind of develop for a year, um, and then step into the starter spot.
2: Interestingly enough, in last week's mock draft, we picked up Stone Forsyth in yeah. the fourth round. Yep. Uh, so it was a, it was a great pickup in that situation. Uh, so if you've got some time, Cole, we'd love to run through a mock draft with you. Let's and do, it. Let's you, do right, it. What we're gonna say? We're gonna preface this. Uh, so we're doing on Draft Network. We do have it set up for trades, so we might get some trade offers. Uh, unfortunately, fans won't be able to to hear the uh, yeah. the ring this week with uh, <laughs> with <where> the phones <laughs> ringing, uh, but. What we're gonna have you do is, you're EDC man. You're making the call. You can, you know, go to your scouts. So we're gonna all act like we're your scouts and tell you what we see. Uh, but you're you're the one making the final decision on us here. So we're gonna get this set up. I'm gonna hand this over to Fred.
0: Uh, I'm gonna switch us over to the draft. Look here. Love it. Can you see the board? Yeah. All right. So first thing we're going to do is we're going to go. Get Trevor Lawrence picked. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to ask you first, before we start this draft, is there anybody in your mind worth trading up in the top 10 to go after knowing the compensation that you're going to have to give up to go into the top 10? Is there anybody in that top 10 that would entice you? Do
5: you guys know how bad I would like to get Rashawn Slater on this team? Really? Like, you guys know how bad? <laughs> <sighs> no, no. There. I mean, as a guy that watches as much as I do, like that, it doesn't make sense, and I wouldn't do it, but. If it happened, I'd be, like, secretly smiling behind it. <laughs> so <laughs> so then what we're going to
0: do, though, is we're going to go ahead and start the draft and see where we are after 10 picks. Take a look at the board and evaluate 10 through 15, if we get any calls, who might be on your radar, and is it worth trading up from there. So let's see how this thing goes. So obviously it's going to be a run on quarterbacks, these first couple picks more than likely, and there they go. Four picks wow. in, four quarterbacks <laughs> gone. Uh, no calls yet, so we're gonna keep on going. There goes Jamar Chase, Kyle
5: Pitts, Waddle, Sol. Can't wait to sack Burrows this year. Yeah, Fields. Oh and wow, it was a big. A cornerback for the Cowboys. <laughs> he called it
0: a cornerback again. <laughs> so Draft Network must be tapped into our show at this point, <laughs> right? So here we are. We're we're ten picks in, and the guy that you said, oh man, I, you know how much do I really like him, Rashawn Slater, still sitting there. Still sitting there after 10 picks. Are you making a call to try to go up to get this guy at like 11 or 12? Or do you think it's going to cost know, too much? I've York needs this, a lot of players.
5: <laughs> yeah. I've done this damn simulator so many times that I know what you have to give to get to 11. Right. Because <laughs> they sometimes <laughs> offer it. Um, and as badly as I want them, I can't pull the trigger on the compensation it would cost to go get them. Okay.
0: okay. So let's say 11 through 15. Obviously, Slater's probably going to go in those five picks. Is there anybody else looking at this board right now that you might be enticed to, say, go up to 15 after? You got Slater, Devontae Smith, obviously the Heisman Trophy winner, um, J.C. Horn. Let's see. You got both. uh, All the edge rushers are there. Uh, Jenkins is there. Is he worth a top 15 pick to you?
1: Smith,
5: I don't think he's worth a top 15, but if he was there between as we get close to 20, I would entertain it. Okay, but Devontae Smith is so intriguing. Smith, uh, it, it, just, <laughs> it shows yeah. over there. Smith, Smith, Smith. <laughs> he's so good, but yeah. I again, it's just like I, I remember how ha- I had this conversation with a couple other guys. It's like we've added Sammy Marquise Brown's in kind of year three, where I think he's got a lot of promise. I think I view him higher than a lot of people do you know, are there going to be a target enough targets to give to a guy that you just traded all that draft capital for right as good as he is and he is good. So I'm not trading up here.
0: Okay. So that's, that's going to be my other question to you about Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith is a great talent. Don't get me wrong. Right. But a lot of people, including us have been talking about the right player and the right fit at that wide receiver position for us. So guys like, Rashad Bateman, guys like Terrace Marshall Jr., maybe not as high on other teams' board, but might, in my opinion, might be a little higher on our board because of the right fit. Are those two guys maybe somebody you're looking at in trading up in the top 24, or are you standing pat and at 27 and not considering either one of those?
5: And that's kind of it's it's just I had that hard time envisioning like not only did we take a wide receiver in the first round but we gave up other draft ass- assets to move up for right. him. Where are we getting those targets from when we're not going to throw the ball enough to right. kind of feed that that type of draft investment, right? And it, I, I think a lot of that comes from it's not so much that I want to see them go out and throw the ball forty times a game. It's I really think that we have something in Marquise Brown. I think we need to unlock what we have in him before we kind of close the book and move on. Um, I think Mark Andrews is very good. Uh, So, you know, those are kind of your top two targets. I think we need to complement around them. And I think Sammy Watkins did a very good job if he can stay healthy. Obviously, that's not something you can bank on. But if you go and you added Sammy Watkins, you got Brown, you got Andrews, you're going to run the ball a hell of a lot this year. Do we have the targets to give to a first-round wide receiver that we not only drafted in the first round, but we gave up draft compensation to go get? That's the kind of philosophical question that we need to consider. I personally think the answer is no. Okay,
0: okay. fair enough. And then the other hole, i got to ask you this too. The other hole, obviously, that everybody talks about edge rusher. Uh, we haven't added, ha- haven't added a veteran yet. I know there's a lot of talks about that. Uh, might happen after May 3rd. But if... We are going to at draft an edge rusher in the first round. Is there anybody? Because you got the pick of the litter. Not a single edge rusher has been taken yet. Yeah. Is there anybody worth going up anywhere? Or again, are you staying pat at twenty seven and kind of just seeing where the chips may fall?
5: I think I like a lot of the value that's going to be there um, at twenty seven. There's a couple guys I'm pretty out on, uh, like such as Jason Oway. I just I I I don't see it technique wise. that said a guy like Quitty yep. Pay is very good um i think he's a really good fit i think Iziz uh Ojelari yep. i always say his mm-hmm. name wrong yes, i think Georgia. he's a damn good scheme fit too um again one of those guys where i saw people saying he doesn't play tough or he can't play against the run it's one of those things where i watch i'm like what the hell are you guys watching <laughs> i mean the guy's sticking his head in in, in trap blocks nonstop um and then you know, those are kind of the two guys that I would consider, but I think with the value of some guys that are going to kind of drop down a little bit, such as, um, you know, possibly Jalen Phillips because of the concussion concerns. Um, I really like Joe Tyrone. I really like Osei. I like Basham Jr. I like Quincy Roach. Like Peyton Turner out of Houston kind of caught my eye a little bit. So there, there's enough guys where I'm probably not going to move up for an edge rusher. Okay. Um, but I would definitely be Sitting back and being like, okay, what's available at 27 before we make a call? All right, well, all let's
2: right. start it up, see where Flip we put that back to everybody so we can oh, yeah. see the entire board here. Uh, you gotta scroll down first, uh, pain in the butt. There you there go, it is
0: <laughs> all right. So let's go ahead and start. Well, there, there goes, goes Devontae Smith. Smith. So if we're gonna make oh, a move and, and Rashad Bateman. Bateman, wow, that's the earliest I've seen Rashad Bateman in so, any wow, draft
2: Wow, to the Eagles.
0: Yeah, so literally the only wide receiver on the board that anybody's talking about the Ravens potentially taking in the first round would be Terrace Marshall Jr. And even some people say that that's a stretch taking him in the first round. Uh, so it doesn't look like the chips are falling where they <laughs> in our favor if we're looking to be taking a wide receiver here. But to your point, I don't know if if taking a first round wide receiver is worth it based yeah. on the the lack of targets. And then so Slater
2: Slater goes right behind him at thirteen there. Uh, but does does that move where Rashad Bateman was maybe expected to be a little further back there? Does that make does that allow for a guy you know like a uh, Tevin Jenkins to maybe fall a little bit further? A lot of people have been projecting projecting him top twenty. Does he now fall into that twenty to twenty five range that maybe yeah. you might be willing?
5: Yeah, you you'd entertain that. If if it's me, I'm entertaining that possibility because I think you can get away with a little bit less draft compensation to make that jump and make it justified. Because like I said, I think he's the kind of guy that you could plug in left guard day one, left guards taken care of um and then you have your right tackle in 2022 and you also have that fifth year option on your right tackle while you're paying Stanley. So you right. kind of got that ideal O tackle combination for the next 5 years, 4 years I guess right. after this year.
0: Yeah. All right, well let's go down to 20 and see where we're at. There's all right, Lord. so we're sitting at twenty and two tackles. You got Darisol and Jenkins both sitting there at twenty. You got to be like having that crackhead itch at this point, snapping <laughs> your arm like I need it, I need it in my life. I need to make the trade. I think, I think one of them is going to the Bears here. <laughs>
5: There's no way if the Bears don't take Darisaw here, I'm I like they're just a broken organization more so than they already are.
2: (laughs) I say, how's that? How's that differ any other year for them? Yeah.
5: yeah. (laughs)
2: Them and the Eagles, pick one.
5: (laughs) This is a situation where it's like if we wanted to make that trade, we would have had to call Washington to get up over top of two teams that are back to back here that are going to be looking at offensive. It could very well go Darisaw Jenkins to uh, Chicago. In uh, Indianapolis. Indy, sorry, yeah. Just blanking on the names. All right, let's so, see what happens. Yeah,
0: let's. Boom! There's Darisaw Let's go to the next. And, is
5: and it there it Daris- is, Daris- in, in, as you <laughs> called
0: it. So both tackles that you might have made the call on go back to back there. <laughs> Uh, EDC, are you unhappy you didn't pull the
2: trigger on a trade? <laughs> Should have traded with Washington. <laughs> Should have hit that pause button Washington, a little sooner.
5: <laughs> yeah, but Washington's not going to answer our calls. <laughs> <laughs> that
0: <It> is true. true. <laughs> all right, so at this point then, uh, we're, what, three pick, four picks? Uh, what are we at? Twenty five. five picks away. Uh, all the offensive tackles that were worth trading up for, all the wide receivers that were worth trading up for, uh, are gone so at this point are you staying put at 27 or are you even thinking about maybe trading back and gating i'll more be looking tra-
5: at trading back depending on who's there and who goes in these next five
0: okay okay all right let's see what happens you have to get a call which is interesting there goes the first edge rusher oh there's up. a call Hello.
2: here comes a call all right from the so- chargers so the chargers are willing to give us uh, they're offering a se- their second round pick, so we'd we'll be moving. So back. we're moving
0: back to forty seven. So we're dropping twenty picks to pick up a third seventy seven overall and a, and a six sixth round next year. And there's I like another offer. That,
5: on the- I like getting that extra hundred, but I'm seeing my scouts are saying no. So I got to trust. <laughs> there, is, there is there is another team. offer on the table. There is
0: another offer. So let's go here to here. Go this here. is from the Panthers. You're dropping back to thirty nine. So you're dropping back twelve picks but then you're picking up a fourth rounder 113th overall just outside of top 100 yeah that that's a leave it up to you decision is what that was you <laughs> see which are paid for or not paid for yeah, by us yeah. so the here's the, here's the thing that you got to think right is yes you're you're dropping back 12 spots but you're dropping back from the first round to the second round and you're losing that extra year that's right it. Uh, so that's something that you have to consider in this, too. It's not just a matter of picking up draft picks. The contract goes from a five-year to a four-year. So
2: why don't we look at the counteroffer situation so we can see who's on the board and see if it, if there's value to him actually doing this okay. at this point.
0: Let's see. So who is on the board? I think we're going to have the pick of the litter pretty much at edge rusher. Quiddie Pay and, well, Jason O, I know you weren't high on him, but Quitty Pay is there.
5: Um,
6: right. Let's see. A couple corners. <laughs> We are.
5: Wait, what are my scouts saying? Who, who do you Ryan, guys want? Ryan, you, you need say? to do your right,
6: your work. Remember that last time you made that trade? <laughs> no, you so I'm not time. gonna
5: lie,
4: I was sitting here <laughs> saying you need to add a six to that fourth so we can trade back into the <laughs> yeah, third round so, later. So
3: preface, <laughs> that's what I would do.
4: Preface that, Cole, Jack, Cole. Last week, that's what Ryan did. Ryan was like, "Just throw
2: a six rounder on there, see if they take it," and yeah. they took it. Ryan found so the glitch up, in the system. <laughs> he what he, did. he
4: picked up another like two six round picks, it was like, what? "You get a fourth and a six, you can trade that back into the 3rd I'm telling you. <laughs>
5: <laughs you
4: finesse the system. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, <they gave> it, <laughs> hey, exactly. if you're gonna give me a little green bar that tells me how far to push it, I'm gonna push it that far. <laughs>
5: it's bad when you're trying to get Khalil Mack four years ago. You just keep throwing draft picks. In, <laughs> yeah. in the I'm only playing this franchise mode for one year, <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: right?
0: Well, here, here's the situation, right? We're sitting at 27. The pick is ours to take unless we want to use one of these these trades. Quitty Pay is a guy that I know. You said you were kind of high on. I think a lot of people like there, and it's at a position of need, and it would guarantee us five years of a rookie contract. So, what's your opinion there?
5: I gotta go, Pay. I gotta yeah. take
0: him. Uh, I'm with okay. you. It's payday. Let's go, payday. All right, Quitty yes. Pay is the pick.
5: <laughs> and, and and just like to that conversation you and I had, Fred. Yeah. Like this is where I see you having a board. And your board tells you kind of who your top ranked players are. And then you have that kind of scaled need. And so you're kind of seeing, you know, what do we need to do based on need? This is where top guy on your board, top need. It all matched. It all matched. Absolutely. And it's the premium position where you're going to get value in that fifth year option.
2: Gotcha. So interestingly enough, if we scroll down on the left side just to see what, you know, what went after right after us. So, you know, we get pay. Oh, it goes right after that. Then you have... Davis goes, Newsome goes, and then Marshall goes at
4: 31.
0: To the fucking Chiefs. The to Chiefs the- just get richer. God damn them.
4: I hate the Chiefs. Say, keep Sammy Watkins. We don't need him. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> then you got Kadarius Toney. I know a lot of people are high on him. To me, he's like a Marquise Brown 2.0, similar player. Uh, I'm not saying he wouldn't work here, yeah. but he goes 33 to the Jacksonville. Jacksonville's going to have an exciting offense down there with a uh, <laughs> hell of a quarterback and a hell of a wide receiver. Uh, so- I will
5: I will say in this scenario, and it, maybe not in this scenario because Morig went, Trevon Morig, if he was there when we were picking at 27, a sneaky trade candidate would be the Dallas Cowboys in their 44th pick and a trade back. If you could trade back to 44 and add something to get that pick 75 that they have, you would only move back 17 spots. That's not right, Matt that is. Um, yeah, is yeah so you, you'd only move back 17 spots you'd add pick 75 maybe give up one of your fists and you kind of stack three picks and between 44 and uh 75 so that's okay. a really intriguing situation and the reason i'm saying the cowboys specifically they need to upgrade their secondary we just saw them take patrick certain i think if trevon Morrig was sitting there he's a really good scheme fit he fits what they need right i think he would be the kind of guy that First of all, we'd consider him as a free safety best player available option. But I think the Cowboys would have a lot of interest in trying to actually... Because that's the thing with these, these trade simulators. You actually have to envision why would a team trade up back into the first round. I think that's a trade the Cowboys would make to get aggressive to bolster their defense when they have all these highly paid offenses. That's players. what he said. So he I want to throw if, that out there.
2: If Morg would have been there. Oh, I thought he
5: went, I had to go back yeah. and check to double sure. Yeah. <laughs> I was just trying to give, cause that's a yeah. scenario I use in my head all the time. When I screw around with this, I, I do what we all do. I try and figure out how to finesse the system. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha.
0: All right, all right. So let's let some picks roll off here. See if we get any trade offers, uh, oh. wrong button. Oh, yep. Wrong Uh-oh. one. Trade offers for the, uh, Second round picks. Let's see. All right. Yeah. I mean a lot of a lot of cornerbacks and edge rushers starting to go now. All right. So here's my question, right? We talked about the need at center. And that was an important need for me. And I should have stopped this earlier. Damn it. (laughs) You should have stopped it one pick earlier. God damn it. I saw Landon Dickerson go and I tried to hit stop. And then boom, before I could hit stop, Creed Humphrey went. So there it is. That was going to be my question to you is where, whereabouts are you thinking that these two might fall and, obviously these guys went a little bit earlier about I mean, 45 to
5: 48 Yeah, about 45 to 48 would be there <laughs> that's my that's the evidence-based answer I, I think in reality i think they i think they both go a little bit higher because there's a lot of teams in need of a center right now but um that, that's too like i don't really see jacksonville going after a center so that's kind of surprising but uh houston definitely or to houston uh the Raiders, whatever city they're in now yeah. Las Vegas. Um, <laughs> the I Raiders. <laughs> I definitely see them needing a center, so that's a good bit. So that's another one where I think you're looking at maybe that Chargers pick to make that trade up and, and tra- target a team that isn't going to take a center. So uh, I would. I this is the thing. I we don't have a whole lot of roster spots, right? Like right. if you if you do trade back, you're not going to load up on you know a ten class rookie uh, a 10 class rookie class, 10 spot rookie okay. class. Um, <laughs> yeah. you're more looking at probably trying to maximize the value in top hundred picks. So I am for a trade up. Um, I'm definitely looking at doing that when we get around to the third round pick. Okay. Uh, I think there's a lot of value in that kind of 75 to 85 range, especially okay. with the way this board falls. So um, I would entertain that kind of trade-up opportunity to get Creed Humphrey. If you came away with Quiddy Pay and Creed Humphrey and you still had a third-round pick, like you're sitting pretty, I think.
0: Okay, yeah. and I know another guy you mentioned, Alex Leatherwood, still there. He's the 48th overall rated prospect on this board. Is that mm-hmm. a guy that you're looking at here at 58, potentially moving up for? Or are you Mind you, we're nine picks away. Yeah, we're nine picks away.
5: I probably wouldn't move up for him, but he'd definitely be on, on higher up on my board when we get to pick 58.
0: All right. All right, right, let's see where we are. Run it through.
2: Davis
5: gone. Yep. Haddon's gone. Frymouth
2: is one that was on our radar. Uh, Uh-oh. All right, so here we go. We get
0: an offer. Again from the Panthers. Uh, another trade back. So we're trading back to uh, 73 73 picking up a 4 at 113 overall picking up like a 5 at 151 yeah 151
2: 151
0: overall giving up our second and giving up our third 104 <laughs> nah, absolutely yeah, that, not that all not right not what's the next sense, what's
2: uh, the next rate there's another uh, yeah, uh thanks
1: scouts <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: all right
2: so on this one the holy, broncos oh, yeah. holy cow so oh they're giving you a third at seventy one, a fourth. And
5: so this is this is the exact scenario I'm just talking. Like, right, yeah, we you don't need, need these players. All these picks, like yeah. I just don't see the value in it.
2: But it has paid off. I, I I will say, you know, we saw it pay off with the glitch in the system. That can wind up coming back and helping you later because you might be able to trade up in this situation.
5: That's right. Yeah. You
2: know, you're. We've seen EDC do that before, where they've stocked. You know draft picks. We've seen Ozzy do it. They stock draft picks, and then they wind up trading up for somebody. It happened with Lamar. We would not have Lamar had we not stocked up on draft picks, right? And, and been able to trade up in that scenario. Yeah, but unless so you're this giving out, enough. you're
0: getting out of the second altogether, and you're moving back in the third, all to gain a fourth, a fifth, and a seventh. Yeah. You know, what I mean, you're completely taking yourself out of the second round. I I don't. I
4: don't know like for me. Yeah. yeah. It's a no. right. Okay.
6: That's be better. <laughs> it was. It last week was better. All right. So Leatherwood went the pick
4: before us again, uh, yeah, it's hearing Gosh. us stop talking everybody. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. So at 58 overall, one of the guys that I noticed right away on the board that a lot of people are talking about the Brown out of North Carolina, the wide receiver, uh, an electric guy that can play inside or outside. Uh, and, you know, obviously Greg Roman likes to move wide receivers around in this scheme. He could be a potential guy there. Uh, we've already got an edge guy to see us going edge. Uh, Brady Christensen tackle out of BYU is there. Brevin Jordan an athletic Miami, Miami tight end. We talk about the, the loss of having that second pass catching tight end. That's an option there. Anybody jump it off of the board to you.
5: Milton Williams is good. Basham's good. Uh, oh,
0: Basham's good. Dude, that kid is a, an athletic freak.
5: Yeah, and, and this is the thing. If you go get quitty Pay, you can have a guy like Basham, and it's not really a redundant pick because they kind of have different skill sets. Um, you know, you're looking at more of that five-tech sliding guy. Um, it's tough to justify. They, I think where I'm debating here, it's really between Milton Williams, and... Uh, Diami Brown and then Quinn, who I think, which sh- I think he's lower down, but this is where I'd be considering picking him at fifty-eight. And it's kind of like when we're looking at the offense. This is the quite. This is the debate that's been going on Ravens Twitter all off-season. Was it the offensive line? Was it the lack of a wide receiver? Depends on. Really depends on where you stand on that side of the fence. Right. I would be going after Quinn here. That would be my pick at fifty-eight.
4: How tall is this wide receiver? That's my question.
0: <laughs> uh, he is.
4: Not six one. one, not tall enough. I'm out.
0: Well, you were in <laughs> on Brashat uh, uh, Bateman. No, who's... you're all
4: in on Bateman. I agree with you. You're okay, but I'm not. A, I'm not like, hammering the table. I was in on Metcalf. That's my type of receiver. <laughs> oh, get <out> of here.
5: <laughs> all right, so you're so in on Quinn on this one. Yeah, even though he's far down the board, but I got my own board.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, a lot of people have been talking about him. I I know our boy Garnett. He was in the chat room earlier talking about him as well. So, uh, all right, if this is your pick, we're going to go into your offensive
5: line, Wisconsin.
0: Are my scouts
5: booing me or are they giving me an applause? Yeah, what's what's
0: happening over there? (laughs) You're doing fine. (laughs) (laughs) They're
3: indifferent. They're not sure. (laughs) Another Big Ten score right there. (laughs) That's right. All right, so let's get this, through here.
5: This is your ultimate Ravens draft where it's not flashy, but it's gonna look real good in September. Right.
2: There you go. <laughs> so basham goes at sixty-seven.
0: So That's we're good. about at pick seventy, which is where you said you were starting to think about trading up for oh, a potential true. guy. Uh did you want to take a look at the board and see who's on here? Anybody? Dude, is my
5: boy Tylen Wallace still on there? Oh, let me go it. A- there oh, he yeah, there yeah. was. Yep. Okay, yeah. so let's let's pause at pick seventy five.
0: 75. Okay.
5: Yeah. If he's still there, which he should be.
0: All right.
2: Trumbull. Don't
5: go. Don't go. Don't go. Don't go.
2: Don't go. Hunter Long, another tight end that was on the radar. Up oh, 75. 75 So Richie Grant, they went safety. So
4: pick
5: 76.
0: Oh, Did it go one too far? Is that who you're looking to trade with? Was Dallas? No, no,
5: no. But that, that's good. That's okay. Good. So this is where I'm in that territory where I'd be looking to trade 103 with a fifth round draft pick or a sixth round draft, whatever the. Whatever the green bar tells me okay. to, to to get up after I that like green
4: pilot. bar, it's expert level.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're gonna choose us and then we're gonna go with where's the giants? The NFC, the Giants. Next. So we want their seventy-six pick. We're gonna give up one oh four, and then you're saying 171 or 184?
5: 184. 184.
4: Nope. 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 Oh. 171. 171? Nope.
0: <laughs> I
2: think you'd have to give up both of them in order for it to even come close to green.
0: Yep, there you go. Both try wait, try yeah, a drop, fifth and a sixth. Drop the six, yeah. so let's do this fifth and this sixth. Oh, there you go. Done. Done. <laughs> <Book> it. <It's laughs> All right. my offer. Let's send it over. See what the Giants say. Giants,
5: except. Let me they tell accept. you, that
4: green line was too hard. We should have dropped down a top pick. So the You're just like,
5: amateur. <laughs> yeah, right?
4: I don't know nothing about football, but I know how far a green line goes.
0: <laughs> so it's 76 back on the board. You're looking at Tylan Wallace, the wide receiver out of Oklahoma State. Tell us about him and what makes him exciting at 74.
5: The thing I like about him a lot is um, I see him as that kind of – what we saw from uh, from Duvernay last year, I think a lot of people expected him to come in and just be a slot receiver because that's what he did a lot of at Texas. We saw him play a lot of the Z, and I think it was 50-50 split. He played like 163 outside snaps and about 151 inside snaps. Mm. Um, so I think that surprised people. But he has that speed and he has that ability to track the ball that kind of projects well in terms of threading vertically from the outside. I think Tylen Wallace is similar in the sense that he can be a Z slash slot receiver, but he offers a completely different skill set. He's gonna run a little bit more horizontally for you where Duvernay is going to challenge a little bit more vertically. This guy plays like a Raven. He's got that Steve Smith mentality to him where he's an undersized guy, but he's going to play like he's 6'3". Um, you know, he may not be DK's height, but he'll play like him. Uh, he's he's going to get out there. He's going to block his ass off, though. I'm not going to say that's why I'm drafting a wide receiver. It is a consideration, but not the consideration. But I, I see him as one hell of a fitness offense.
0: Well, so uh, the other question I got for you there, just me throwing a name out there, is a guy who must be like eight foot nine, Nico Collins, right, out of Michigan. This guy's an athletic freak, 6'4", 215 pounds. He's got the size of the prototypical X wide receiver. The guys in here seem to like this pick.
1: That one. I know
0: know he didn't get a ton of usage at Michigan, but what's your your take on Collins? I mean, have you looked at his tape? Do you know much about him?
5: I had a thread on him about three weeks ago. I'm extremely high on him, actually. Um, I I really like him. Uh, I think he's a good fit. I think he fits kind of that speed that we need to put at the outside to threaten vertically. Um, I think that if you have a guy that can truly – threaten the boundary deep um, the way Hollywood Brown does. I think it really would stress the defense in terms of stacking that box to stop the run game. If you have Hollywood at flanker and you have, you know, a guy like Nico Collins, that's going to get deep on you. How do you justify stacking the box with, you know, an extra safety and you only have one deep center safety. And that's the thing about Lamar's deep throwing. He doesn't throw the best anticipating uh, breaking roots deep but he throws a perfectly good deep ball like in terms of hitting those nine routes. Um, and that's what he did so well in 2019. So I think Nico Collins makes a ton of sense. I've been on the Tylan Wallace train for so long. I saw someone post, someone put in the chat, how many 5'11 wide receivers do we yep. need? That was the Ryan. The answer is three. The <laughs> answer is three. <laughs>
4: I'm so sick of these tiny little wideouts. But
2: but at the same time, so right, so the 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 issue that you could wind up running into with Collins, Collins is only two fifteen. It becomes it becomes a a smaller, even smaller Boykin type scenario. Is can he use his size? Can he be physical against a physical, you know, cornerback or a safety that's going up against him? I don't know that I can say that I've seen enough from him that he can do that uh, on on a regular basis. Versus, I think I said they saw they said on Tyler Wallace. It's, he, he's strong on 50-50 balls. You know, he plays that larger size like you were yeah. saying. So that would my, that's my only thing about Nico Collins. We have not had the greatest success with drafting wide receivers that are physical, period. It just it doesn't yeah. happen. So that's my concern is if if you're going Nico Collins, are you going down that same exact route?
5: Well, it's funny you said that because uh, Spencer Schultz, our, our, our buddy yeah. on Twitter, uh, Ravens for Dummies, him and I, uh, we were talking about Nico Collins in our DMs the other day. And he went back and watched Miles Boykin against Clemson in, in the college. I think it was the playoff. I don't think yep. it was a national championship. No, it was a playoff. It was, yep. it was a playoff. Yep, and right. so if you go back and watch that game, and I encourage anyone that dislikes Boykin, he played so damn physical in that game. He's got his hands up on corners all the time. I don't know where that player went when he got to Baltimore. It's like, a confidence
0: he, he, thing, man. For me, it I, has I've, to be. I've seen it in him since day one. He lacks confidence. I really think well, that that's what it is.
5: He, here's the thing I brought up. Do you guys remember preseason? He he had all those training camp reports and we know how training camp reports are and they yep. can you know blow smoke up someone's ass, but he came into the preseason and he had in his first game, I think he had two drops yep. right away. And then he caught a 17 yard touchdown. That was a beautiful catch, but it was called back because he pushed off. I remember. Mm -hmm. yep. And so I remember when he made that catch and I'm like, there's the potential. That's what we want to see. But then he got called for pushing off. And I'm not trying to say I understand this guy from a a mental point of view because I don't know the dude at all. Um, I don't know what he's being coached or anything about him personally, but I didn't see him start to do anything like that after that play. But then you go back and watch his Notre Dame games and he's physical. He's physical at the line. He gets his hands up on guys. Um, he runs through guys. Like uh, it's it's tough because like I, I I do agree. I, I I think a lot of people have said you know what's the point of drafting Nico Collins because we have Boykin. I personally think they're a little bit different. I think Collins is a lot more expo- explosive off the line of scrimmage. Um, I think he works better through press because he runs through guys, whereas Boykin kind of takes those uh, those side stutter steps to run around guys. So I think there are some unique differences that mean they're not the same player but um as for 50 50 balls how many 50 50 balls has lamar jackson thrown how many <laughs> right. times did he throw the ball up for Des bryant who was i right. mean like there was that time where forget what game it was maybe jacksonville but he was on the boundary one-on-one a guy just sitting in the corner What a perfect time to just throw up a 50-50 ball, but Lamar just doesn't seem to do it. It doesn't seem to be his game. It isn't where he's found success in the red zone. So I think the argument is, is that a missing element of this offense that they could develop, or is it not something they see Lamar Jackson doing? That's kind of where I think it's at with a philosophical conversation.
2: But he does throw into tight windows. You've got to have somebody that's going to be physical and fight for the ball.
5: That's right. That's right. And that's where I think, like, yeah, Collins might be four inches taller than Wallace. I completely get that. But I'm going to trust Tylen Wallace to climb the ladder and go get that ball.
4: Michigan had some real bad quarterback play this year. For him to get this far, he's probably got a little bit more potential we can see with somebody like Lamar throwing the ball.
5: And look at Donovan Peoples-Jones, who I think fell a lot because his tape probably wasn't that ideal. But then Collins, like, I mean, I tweeted it when I was watching that film. Like, how bad is Shea Patterson? Like, that was terrible in 2019. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, no, that's actually, that's a very, very good point. And I think Matty Weiss, who's, again, another buddy on Twitter, he he made the point. um, I know he loved Peoples Jones when he was coming out. And it's like, is it the same thing with Nico Collins? Was he, like, his production was probably hurt, but was, you know, some of his, some of the things he could have put on tape to get teams excited was that hindered by Shea Patterson being the quarterback I think there's a lot of evidence to support that
4: look at the difference in Friar move so, this year versus the year before yeah, uh, yeah Friar didn't do anything this year with bad quarterback play
0: so even yeah. with the debate here your pick still Tylen Wallace correct I,
5: I respect the debate I completely <laughs> get it what are my scouts saying what are you guys are saying Nico I,
0: I think the scouts
2: Nico.
5: like
0: just ability ability better just people. because of the size
2: yeah. I, I, I like I, I agree with him I think Tylen Wallace is the way to go. I I, I, I like think Wallace. Nico winds up turning. I'm tired of
4: short people. Scott's <laughs> picking the short guy.
0: Would you be Everybody's tired surprised? of Steve Smith though? Because Steve nah, Smith was a short guy that played a lot nah. bigger. So I mean, yeah. Tylen Wallace no, but to I his saw, point could I be that type of player. I told this guy's
6: pro day. He had a pretty good vertical. Yeah.
5: yeah. yeah. Tyler Ty Wallace. Yeah. All I'm right. Going. So All right, we're going Wallace. We're
6: getting
5: we're going Wallace here. Boys, I'm only five foot eight. I got I got to go with Wallace.
0: There you go. I love it. All right, all right. So, did we get rid of?
4: I yeah. can't wait till I'm going to a yeah. Ravens game. The lollipop guild
0: walks up fourth? on me. <laughs>
2: did we trade <laughs> our fourth?
0: Did we trade our fourth? No, I'm no, kidding. We have one. No, we have we, the, have, the, we have one, one left. left. Okay. All right. Cool. Yeah. All right. So let's we have see a what fourth happens. And a fifth. Well, we're going. We're only doing four rounds. So on, if you're, on the mock. Oh, okay. So trade up if you want to show some more <laughs> stuff off. <laughs> all
1: right.
0: So we just entered the fourth round here. All right. So we'll go. We'll stop here at pick one fifteen.
5: There's Stone sitting there at
0: 105. Yeah, Stone Forsythe sitting there at 105. Uh, James Hudson out of Cincinnati. Oh, my God. Is he going to make it? Trade <laughs> up. Trade up.
5: <laughs> my scouts are nodding. Is trade that, up. Trade do you wanna, <laughs> all right, let's go up. Let's go up and get Stone.
0: So let's review our picks real quick just to see where we're at, right? So we've got our interior guy. This is the guy that you said could slide in a center, correct, yep. Quinn? Right. So we've got our edge rusher, we've got our wide receiver. So right off the bat, I mean, we've nailed three big needs that we need.
5: And those those are the three biggest needs. And
2: like right. we don't yeah.
5: need
0: <laughs> And a
2: Stone Forsyth could kind could kind of come in and wind up, you know, sitting behind Orlando Brown for a little bit, let him develop, let him watch, and then where Orlando's you know gone, or if you if you get the ability to trade him after the draft, then you already have his replacement. He might need a little bit of work, but it's it's something that's worth
0: it. All right. So let's call the Cowboys and see what it's gonna take. Uh
5: NFC Cowboys. I mean, if we threw in a 2022 fifth, like who's saying no to that?
0: <laughs> so we've literally got one pick Both. left. <laughs> so they're gonna take it. If we give them the fifth, they would take it. So Can let's, we
5: do our 2022 fifth instead of our current. Let's pick? see.
0: 2022. We don't oh, have we a don't fifth. Have we have a sixth. Let's see if they take it. No. No. <laughs> How about and a fourth? Them- <laughs> uh, did you want to do two fourths? They would definitely take that. Um you're trading out of the draft. This year's try so, this year's
4: fifth versus next again, year's fourth.
0: But to to his point, we're not gonna be we we're not we don't have a ton of roster spots, right? And in mm-hmm. this draft already, we've got three spots that are gonna be crucial to this team's success immediately, right? If we, we know, like you said, Orlando Brown Jr. is not going to be here, whether it's this year or next year. If you're nailing four big gets in this draft by trading out now and giving up your fifth, I think this makes sense. It's yeah. all impactful guys in the next year. I look
2: at it and say, it's, not only is that something that you wind up doing, what are you doing? This year's fifth, next year's
4: fourth. But that completely like defeats,
2: that. The, the, defeats the purpose of trading up now, though.
4: We're getting we're still going up. We're getting we're trading our fifth to their and next fourth. year's oh, fourth. Okay. What do you think? You like it?
5: Is this not just finessing the system? It is. It is. It's <laughs> Ryan finessing
4: the system. Hey, it's very likely. It's not even kinda likely. If I was finessing the system, I'd play a little bit more.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, well we're gonna do it. Let's send it over and we're gonna get two fourth round picks this year.
4: <laughs> I like hey it. they accepted there it. it. There, there it is. All right. <laughs> GM of the year over here. Nailed it. <laughs> I'm going right. to do my own when I get home and see how many picks in the top
0: four I can get. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're sitting at 115 right now. We got the pick of the litter between Hudson and Forsyth. Which one do you like better?
5: So that's actually a good question. If we, I I think stone Forsyth fits a little bit more of the mold. The Ravens would look for James Hudson is a guy I like a lot, but he's a little bit lighter and he's probably a better fit for uh for, for more of a zone scheme. So I'd be going Forsythe with this pick, but I do like Hudson. Or the okay. offensive tackle goes, goes before, before the, the
0: floor. Just course, so TV. you guys can see how much of a monster this guy is. 6'7", 329 pounds. That is OBJ's replacement, if I've ever We've seen We've drafted
4: yes. Stone both weeks now, and he needs to be a Raven.
0: Yes. <laughs> with that name, he 100% needs to be. All right, so we're taking Forsythe here at 115. Let's see. So oh.
2: there's our one. 131 pick coming up.
6: You can probably trade that. We don't
2: have anything left to trade. (laughs) You can trade trade, back. uh
6: Trade back.
0: All right, so at 131, what are you thinking? Before before we even look at the board, though, at 131, knowing that right now we've addressed edge, center, wide receiver, tackle, what are you thinking position-wise is a potential need? I mean, are we thinking, like, safety? Are we thinking the – the inevitable cornerback or interior defensive lineman like the Ravens do every single year. What are we thinking here? Jake Funk. <laughs> Jake Funk. I like <laughs> <There's>, Jake
5: Funk. <laughs> I would be looking defense here, and there's there's kind of three positions I'd be looking. I'd be looking at a true free safety, someone that could develop as kind of a center field safety, maybe play a little bit in the diamond year one. I'd be looking at uh, a bit of a kind of like a, a nose tackle, but someone that could also play a little bit of two-eye-three tackle. So I'd be looking at interior defensive line, someone that could kick Jelly off the roster because he's terrible. Um, <laughs> and then I'd be looking at specifically a slot cornerback because we don't have depth at all under Tavon Young, who can't stay healthy. Right. So I'd be looking at those. Those would be my three.
0: All right, so let's look at safety first and see who's on the board. Uh, you're going to have to run down some of these guys because I haven't dove deep enough into this draft to know anything about some of these guys. To be I love James Wiggins. James, James Wiggins. James Wiggins is a damn good fit. Six foot two oh five safety out of Cincinnati. This is a quote unquote honors. center fielder, free safety.
5: I shouldn't say he's a quote unquote center center fielder, but he's a really good fit for what the Ravens usually look for in in kind of those safeties. So,
1: okay. um,
5: he it's going to be tough to kind of find those true free safeties in the fourth round. So, I think this is a guy where I could actually envision him having a role. I think he could fit really well in the dime. He played some really good split uh, split safety. For uh, the Bearcats, mm-hmm. I got to watch a couple of their games, so I, I do I do think it's a really good fit.
0: Okay, interior defensive line.
5: So my guy here is Chris Tonga and Bobby Brown. They're two guys that I'm really high on. I know again they're they're lower rated here, right? Um, but Tonga is an absolute animal. He's virtually unblockable one on one, even against some of the top competition. Um, so he's a beast. I like Bobby Brown a lot too. Um, So those are two guys I'd be considering. Uh, I haven't – I'm not going to sit here and blow smoke up anyone's ass. I haven't gone to watch uh, West Virginia's defense, so I haven't seen Darius Stills, but I know there's quite a few people high on him.
6: He ain't related to Bobby Brown, the rapper, right?
5: (laughs) (laughs) He's the third, of course. 6'1",
0: 281, Darius Stills. Kind of like for an interior defensive lineman.
5: You're looking at more of like a a three-tech there, someone that's going to be more of that kind of – that's where I think it's a little redundant to go after another defensive tackle. What, I, what I'd be looking at here if I'm looking at the D-line, it's really that kind of Brandon Williams backup right. and also mm-hmm. some insurance if he's injured because every time he gets injured, we fall apart run defense-wise.
0: Gotcha. All right. So Last position you had of need, it was corner. We're going to look corner. for slot corners. That
4: Chris Tonga gives me a hello not a feel I like it a lot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, he's an animal, too. Anybody here in these top four picks that you're looking at
5: corner? So Again, I haven't watched a ton of corners because it's not my forte, right. but I, I I know people are pretty high on Trey Brown. I think he's more of an outside guy, but uh, there's no one that's really the, – the guy that I have a lot of interest in is the uh, Wisconsin guy, uh, Wild Goose, but he wouldn't kind of be a pick here, I think. I think he'd be more of like a, a – there Fifth, he is. sixth round pick. Right. Um, bro. so I don't know if any of you Big Ten guys like him, but I I thought he looked like he had a, some transferable skills when I watched them. That would be a nice fit.
4: Oklahoma doesn't play any defense, so I don't want their cornerback.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Can I make a suggestion yeah, and see what's see what's on the board at tight end right now? Just uh, for the simple tight
5: end's, a, tight end's a good one too.
2: Just for the simple fact that we we know the three tight end set works. Right. And yeah, we-
5: and Trey, Trey McKitty is a guy that really fits what they want in that kind of move tight end third role. Um, I mean, they just got that Eli Wolf kid out of out of Georgia, so I think they like a lot of the things Georgia does with their tight ends that could fit that scheme. Um, so I would. I I haven't watched. Uh, I watched a little bit of uh, Kylan Granson. He's pretty solid, but I I think with this pick, I'd be going with. It would come down to Tonga versus uh, versus James Wiggins for me.
0: Okay. okay. I personally think interior defensive line is the more important position because you got Calais Campbell probably in his last year here, probably going to be retiring soon. Brandon Williams, his contract's up soon. Do the Ravens bring him back? Um there's some question marks on the interior defensive line. Obviously, Broderick Washington, he's got the off-the-field issue that he's dealing with now. Forgot so there's about that. Yeah. So there, there is a need on interior defensive line. Yeah. Ryan likes him because he's getting hello out of feels. So I think that that's the uh, <laughs> the apple that that seals the deal here. So I think Tonga okay. is the choice. So we'll go Tonga here. Oh, so great man. draft, people. I hey, think it was a very <laughs> good draft. <laughs> round of applause for everybody. <laughs> Cole, man, this was a lot of fun. Uh, Appreciate you taking the time out of your night, man, to to do this with us. We got to do this again in the future. Hopefully, we're talking uh, some of these names that we drafted tonight on Ravens draft night, man.
5: Well, if we're not talking Stone Forsythe, we did something wrong. That's right. (laughs) right. (laughs) That's absolutely
1: right.
2: So uh, just to recap the the Ravens picks for us, Pay, Quinn Marinez, Tylan Wallace, Stone Forsythe, Kyris Tonga. Damn good draft. I like it.
5: A-plus if you ask me. I Absolutely, like it. I like And we it. did, for sure. <laughs> hey, Cole, if it's
4: not below you, I was just talking to Ellis, uh, um, trying to get Ellis McKinney on for an l- offensive line show. I'd like to do that with the Terps if you're interested. Sure. Break down yeah. some Terps linemen with
5: us. Yeah, no, that'd be sick. All right. All right. Thank you, man. All
4: Appreciate
0: it. Right. Hey, Cole, awesome. tell everybody where they can find you again on social media, uh, just the way everybody can hit you up.
5: Yeah, no, Cole Jackson, FB on, on Twitter. Um, I'm always looking for a good, good debate, a good argument. So uh, <laughs> yeah, come find me. We we keep it Canadian around here. So we, we keep it friendly and fun. Couple stories. Um, and uh, no, thanks so much for having me on guys. It's a blast to join and fun doing the mock draft and thank you to my scouts, uh, <laughs> scouts out there. I needed you guys couldn't do it without you um,
2: so. <laughs> and we'll, we'll don't don't worry I will make sure to send you some J.O. spice and then you can give oh, us the jeez. real go, baby. idea <laughs> alright thanks for joining appreciate us Cole. It, Cole. appreciate it buddy
5: thanks so much boys cheers, cheers. All right, take care
0: that's
2: awesome All right.
0: that's awesome that was a hell
2: of a lot, a lot of
5: fun.
0: fun yeah for sure we went damn long we're an yes. hour and 30 minutes into this show and, and we've we're only still the Ravens, on the segment. Ravens <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Ryan, we're going to run through this social media shout-out
2: real quick. <laughs> oh, maybe.
1: Uh,
4: <laughs> Hit the button. Uh, <laughs> man, why did I make the stinger so long? We're wasting precious seconds.
6: for <laughs> a Oh No god.
0: All right, Ryan. I haven't had a chance to really pay attention to the chat room a whole lot in this. Who's been out there? Who's been chiming in? All right,
4: we got Buffalo Chuck, Jamal Caldwell, Q Hut, who might be new, but he's talking so much, it's probably just a different social media account. Uh, <laughs> Andrew Sakura. Uh, Lamar's daddy, Samuel L. Jackson, Dominic Henson, Nick Short, hashtag Drew checks in from Disney World. Nice. Uh, and Steph Summers makes it a family event again, says Boo J.O. Spice. So she's got better taste than <laughs> Thank stuff.
0: you, Steph. I appreciate uh, that.
4: Garnett West, Craig Zero, Asmodeus thi- thi- toast. Yep. Nope. Got to work on my... <laughs> <laughs> Troy. Uh, that's about it. it right, okay, man. It's been a good night. Appreciate it. Right.
0: All right, Scott. It's time for some Bros, bows, and O's. The Orioles have are off to a roller coaster start. Let's yeah. just say to start the year.
2: Yeah, they're four and five, tied tied for what I think fourth in the, in the AL now. At this point, they were yeah. tied for first. Now they're tied for fourth. Uh, not liking the way that this is going. But before we kind of get into the, to the team itself, I want to take a minute. Uh, you know, really quickly, we, we both got to go. You got to go with with Joe I did. Uh, to the game. <laughs> So, uh, you know, some pregame stuff. So obviously you, you were the only one that got, was able to get down there for pregame for pickles. I was the only alcoholic of the group.
0: (laughs) How was was it down there? No, it was a lot of fun. It was very different. Obviously I've, I've gone to almost 20 opening days in a row and every year I'm down at pickles doing the same thing and you're elbow asses to elbows with everybody down there for hours and you you love every minute of it, right? It's the one time a year that I can actually enjoy being that close to people. Uh, this year, you get down there. I get down there about nine o'clock in the morning, and it's nothing but gates picnic tables and high tops all out in the parking lot by the way i
2: don't know how you got in because apparently you were supposed to have a reservation did you, did you like did you? oh yeah i got a reservation no no they didn't ask <laughs> me if, they if didn't i had say that at all
4: they said it was oh. first come first serve and to let your friends know to hurry down there is what they told us at the gates and that's oh. the
0: thing so once you were in there and you got a spot they weren't telling you to leave you were still spending money and you were still having a good time they weren't asking about to leave but once those seats were gone they weren't letting anybody else in. They weren't letting anybody else in into the. Until I another saw pictures table like the line was. Yeah, was there was, there long. was a, quite a bit of a line outside of the gate, and they weren't doing anything to social distance those people. So you know, you're on the street, screw you. Yeah, everybody <laughs> that was inside the gate, everybody was very respectful, stayed at their tables. Uh, the food was good. You know, they were serving food out there to everybody. They were still serving it. Quickly. Well, you know they had
2: to, right? What do you mean? They could not serve just beer out there they had to serve food Oh really yes. interesting well the it, food was good that's the first time i've actually eaten outdoors food the outdoor dining stuff that's why
0: got it okay that makes sense uh, they had orange crushes. I'm telling you, they were serving <laughs> these things in fucking like Slurpee cups. They were huge. They <laughs> were like insane. forty ounce Wait, orange didn't crushes. Did you have
2: to work? Were you down there drinking with him?
4: No, but I came down twice sober, uh, uh, with, <laughs> <right>. with, with <laughs> to see what was going came on. Came down to make sure he was yeah. still alive. Yeah, I came down a little thirty minute <laughs> exercise break and my lunch break. There
0: was a stark <laughs> difference in me and my date. <laughs> From the time he showed up the first time yep. to the time he showed up the second time. Checked in at
4: 10.30. We had a nice, pleasant conversation, having a good time. <laughs> uh, we just all right, we'll see you guys later. Came back at 12.30. People are falling off stools. <laughs> <laughs> you fall
0: off a stool? <laughs> no. no. Not me. Well, okay. <laughs> we had a good time. Uh, we, it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, Joe got down there around like 2 o'clock, I guess it was. She got down there. Yep. And uh, walked into the stadium, which was different. I mean expectedly enough. I yeah. mean obviously they only let 11,000 people in there, but Joe and I we decided to get some food and some drinks prior to going to uh, our seats. Learned the hard way that uh, the food was uh, pretty limited as far as the selection goes, Thanks,
2: along yeah, with for paying
3: Scott.
0: <laughs> yeah, <you're welcome. laughs> right, along with the condiments
2: Oh yeah, that are non-existent this year. Oh, you do have to. You can get condiments. You have to ask for them while you're yeah, there. Yeah,
0: we found that out later. They didn't volunteer this no. information at the register. I ate a plain ass hot dog <laughs> and I, enjoyed it.
2: I ate <laughs> two of them, uh,
0: but <laughs> and, and, gross.
2: and us asking for. I asked for two beers. You asked for one. Somehow you got two beers. I asked for two hot dogs. Somehow I got three hot dogs. From <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but just even before getting into the stadium, uh, Joe Joe got to experience it a little bit. The parking lot issues. Oh, you're opening up really. the stadium an hour before the game, and you're opening up the parking lot at the same exact time. They didn't want lines. Guess what there was? Right. There was a line on the ramp to get down off of 395, and there was also a ramp, or there was also a line to get into the stadium. So it it, it defeated the purpose. It was so stupid. We got down there at like 115. My dad literally did laps around the city and we went and got on 95, went a little further down on 95 just to kill time because they weren't even allowing you to line up. Then we come back down and they're like, yeah, we're not opening it ahead of time. It's opening at 205. All of a sudden I see, we come back up and I see some cars on 395 that are stacking up right Right. there at the top. And I'm like, they're letting people in or line up. And dad's like, what? And there's a line. He goes, yeah, there is. We, he had pulled over on, on 95 at that point, put a slash on just waiting. Wow! Just like all right, we gotta kill time. See, you could have called me. I was walking back and forth. I could have parked you in a federal <laughs> garage and <or> moved on. <laughs> well, he already he already paid for parking, so it was it was there. But but you get down there and the lines were just so crazy. It, it was it was so pointless. Then you know we get there. The 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 food pieces there were the lines were out the yin yang. Come to find out, the lines were out the yin yang
0: because the system went down. Well, the that enti- around and the they entire- had, they had limited staff too behind the yes, the registers.
2: and the system went down across the entire stadium. So you yeah. literally looking and nobody's
0: ringing anybody up because they can't right, and no cash and no cash right. So. <laughs> You're 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 which speaking all this. of the no cash thing, which I thought was kind of interesting, they had reverse ATMs in the stadium yeah. where you would feed it cash and it would give you a card. First time I've ever seen anything like that outside of like a casino, maybe. Yeah, I, I guess it winds up giving
2: you like a something. Those are just called Machines machine yeah. oh, <laughs> <right. Exactly.
0: laughs> But uh, no, so doing it, the gambling thing all wrong. <laughs>
2: it's, it's the lines right that that are that are there. It's mm. it, you had the issues with that. And not only did it go down there, and we actually walked up. We got lucky when we got our food because we walked up like there's nobody in line. Like, what's going on? And then another girl, lady's like, she tells us that the system was down. But just wait here, we'll get your order ready,
6: and we'll as soon as we're ready to pay, you can pay. And was I, like, got all right, a, fine. I got a question right. for you guys. Did you think the hot dogs taste different from not being SK? there was a boiled so they, hot dog uh, and then it was uh, plain on so top if, of that they, it was really, cuz so i know a lot of people complained about them like,
0: like our the
2: pizza sucks so they <laughs> weren't so what what people can can complain about all they want the past obviously there was nothing last year but two years ago it wasn't sk hot dogs either so it, they they got no, away from sk hot dogs three had and a half S- years ago No,
6: they had sk they Did yeah. not have no, SK hot
2: dogs in 20 in 2019 they did not have sk hot dogs i can guarantee it i will i will I, put well, my you life
6: take a picture huh? <laughs> you got a picture from the ballpark no,
2: no they, they admit they no. said it.
6: they said it in 2019 that they were they i thought had, it was a year that COVID started, that was going to be the first year. No, wow. it was
2: 2019 that they, they didn't have SK hot dogs, and there was a difference. And this year, not only were they not, you know, was it not SKs, which, it, you know, it is what it was, but they, they did taste different. They almost, honestly, the one that I had, the two that I had, tasted like they were actually cooked the night before, if I'm being 100% honest. Yeah, it was, they were it, good. It, they were, they were.
4: Well, that's because like they almost, didn't have ketchup on them, so. they were almost
6: No, but they, they literally, <laughs> they weren't on the rollers. No, but I knew a lot of people complained
0: about
4: it.
6: They yeah, weren't right. on the rollers. They were pre-cooked. They weren't pulling them
2: off the rollers and putting them in the bun. They were they were getting them out of, out <laughs> of a out of certainly not the hot, yeah. the hot dog race
0: was still great. The hot dog race was great. And awesome. ketchup
2: won on opening day like it wins every year. <laughs> uh but no, so the register systems go down a second time, actually. So I went down to my seats after you know we got some food and some beers. Yeah. I go down, my son says, I want a water. All right, yeah. I'll go back up again. They go down again.
4: Scott didn't watch any baseball. Hour. He was standing in line the entire <laughs> game. I
0: was so annoyed. Well, <laughs> uh, did you miss the pregame ceremonies? Because there really wasn't a whole lot to to I, miss. I missed part of it. I, I missed when they were talking uh, about Mo Gabba. Uh, yeah. So I missed
2: that, that kind of second half because I went down there. And after after I went back up and it was like, okay, the register's down. I just went back down the seats. I was like, bud. I. Can you wait? And he was like, "Yeah, I can wait." I was like, "Okay, perfect. We'll wait till after this." When, when everybody, when when they were doing the instructions, they finished. They finished the last instruction. I ran up. To get
0: a water. I know. I have been saying for a while that opening day ceremonies needed a refresh. Damn straight, Garnett. <laughs> what did he said? I think he said no lube. I
4: mean, condiments. <laughs>
0: Nothing uh, to help it glide down. It wasn't there. But I've been saying for a while that opening day needed a refresh. It's been the same thing year after year after year. Well, there was a lot of change this year, right? There was no grand opening, you know, orange carpet that led from center field down to the infield. They didn't have that. You didn't have the players come out from center field. Uh there was a very familiar voice not involved in the stadium. Uh Jim which,
1: gone. two of them. Yeah. Two of them. Yeah. We'll get
0: to that in a second. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, just a totally different vibe. Obviously, the feel-good story. Trey Mancini comes out. He got the the applause Ovation. that he deserved. Uh, and that was kind of a you know a tearjerker. But uh, Joe, what was your take on, on opening day? I mean, I know you've been to quite a few, in yourself.
3: Well, uh, going down, I was going about thirty miles an hour on ninety-five because <laughs> we called, called him me. and said you can't get He's in. He's like, you can't get in. So I'm like, all right, let me go to the right. Just go slow. <laughs> Um, but I, I waited in line. It was a lot of lines. we right. only having 11,000 people, and we've been in... Admit- 10,000, by the way. Oh, 10,000. 10,150 was the final but count. We've been in a lot of games where there's a ton of people there, and they handled it so much better. It's like they took a year off and forgot what they were doing, or they had all new staff, because I don't recognize anyone around. I was sad not to sue the beer vendors, even though we knew they yeah. weren't going to be there. You know, poor, those guys... It was very guys disorganized. Guys were, it was disorganized. Yeah, and um, I
0: will say that the... the <laughs> The what do you call them? The zip ties that they used oh, yeah, nice. to tie these <laughs> the heavy seats duty ones. together. I mean, these things were <laughs>
2: industrial zip ties. I did see. I did see one guy that was. Uh, we'll just say he was pushing five, yeah. five bills, and he just he just straight out powered through one and broke one, uh, uh, just to just I'm so sure he could it took every pound that he had <laughs> to give because those things were strong. They were. They were. Uh, but you know, th- not to mention those things, obviously you talked about, you know, uh, Jim Hunter, not being there. Rob Long did the announcements, uh, the, the national anthem, uh, Rob Long, I think actually he didn't go as long as he was supposed to. Uh, then you had the national anthem, which she was trying to stretch it. She was, I was not she a fan tried. I didn't
0: know what was going on. I'm like, golly, just get it over with
2: what is yeah. happening. Why get are we going on so long? Well, Then, <laughs> then
0: she goes to the land of the free. And it's like you didn't hold that free note. If you'd have held
2: that free note, we might have gotten the
0: flyover in time. They were like, "Just <laughs> slow it down for thirty seconds." And she got it right to thirty, and she thought she was going to kill it. Like, free. Wait another thirty seconds, and then the is gone. <laughs> <Yeah>, exactly. <laughs> it was such a delay. Yeah, it was. It was
2: bad. Uh, the speaker issues out in the outfield, I, Joe. I don't know if you noticed it it. Loud. it. it was. It was loud, and you could not hear the PA announcements over it. It was. It was as if they still had the volume up from pumping in the noise last year. Nobody thought to, to sit out there and see. Well, what does this shit sound like?
1: Yeah.
0: Nobody actually did that. Um, Rob Long's voice was so distorted because he was so loud; it was hard to hear him as yeah. he's announcing. It he sounded some of the like players. he was shouting to me. It did. Yeah. It, I think there were some nerves along with it too, because this is his first time going through the whole thing, and that's a that's a prestigious well, role to, to hold. And your acoustics, the acoustics are different. Yeah, when you're up in the up, you know, in the
2: the center field bar where he was and where they were holding everything, versus being down on the field where we're used to seeing Jim Hunter. And in so, the
0: not full stadium, you're getting a lot of echo. You're getting a lot of reverb,
2: but the problems didn't end there because, (laughs) you know, a familiar voice was not there announcing the players to each of their at bats and doing all the, you know, in between inning announcements. And it was Adrian Robinson. First off, they had her PA mic. I swear on, it must've been sitting on one and it should have been on 11 uh, because you couldn't hear almost anything that she said. You had to, who's batting, like who's up because you couldn't hear. Um, And, we all questioned it, right? Where the
3: hell we, is Ryan Wagner? Honestly, yeah. we didn't pick it up till like the third or fourth oh, inning. I, right. I picked it up in the first inning. Yeah.
0: Because she was so low, like I didn't hear her to begin with, so I didn't really think about it or pay attention. Then Joe and I had started talking about it, like you said, I think second or third inning, and we're like, wait a minute. You Ryan wanna, Wagner's not here. What is happening? You want to know where I noticed it? was Trey Mancini. Yeah.
2: Because Ryan Wagner would have done a let's give on Orioles welcome back Right. And we're glad you're here to Trey Man- third baseman Trey. He would have done something like that. It didn't happen. It's like now batting Trey third base or first baseman Trey Mancini. Yeah. What? Where's Ryan
0: at? Where? Where's well, going the, on? The fans didn't let that ruin the moment. The fans did no. their job, and uh, I think Trey appreciated that for sure. And the Red Sox
2: stand, you know, coming yeah. out and and you know, uh, was Vasquez actually going out to the mound and turning around, putting his glove down, and just giving you know giving a clap. All the players. Um, did their part. The fans did their part. Uh, the, the ovation went on thong- longer than I thought it was going to, um, which I was more than happy to see. Right. Um, but I, I think we, I, I don't want to get away from the, the the Wagner situation for a second because the next day we find out they release Ryan Wagner. The Athletic broke the story right. on Friday. They released him. He actually got to the ballpark on Thursday. He was there. And just hours before the start of the game, they send him home. Tell us about the story of the athletic because you're the one that saw the first one of us to, saw, to see it and kind of run it run us through what, what they were saying.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, basically, they said that Ryan has had a history of uh, some questionable tweets and the team has talked to him about it in the past. And so he's been on that kind of, if you think about it from a corporate perspective, that whole coaching, coaching, corrective action, like course, they've warned him about some of his social media posts in the past. Uh, Apparently, he had another social media post, which the the team uh, has not released what specific post it is. I did some digging myself. To try to figure out, like, what could have set the team off? Now, I don't know if maybe there was a post that got deleted, but for me, there were there were two tweets uh, that he put out that I guess could have been taken uh, in a certain way. There was one that kind of showed his political uh, views, political stance mm-hmm. on a certain view, um, and then there was another one where he was just kind of having a a, a genuine conversation with the fan who was talking about how long the fan was talking about how long he's waited to to go back into the stadium. He's like, can't wait to hear your voice. You I've been waiting for blah, blah, blah days. And I've had to talk to myself for the last year. And it was just to be a funny thing. So again, I don't know if either one of those tweets, were what set the Orioles over the edge but those are the only two that I could find that were even remotely suspect.
2: Yeah, I mean there's there those are the two that are there and if those are the issues if that's why it wind, would wind's, it's winds ridiculous.
0: Up, it's complete bullshit, it right? Is. It's complete
2: bullshit at that point. Uh you know there's some things that he's tweeted about like you know right fielding in, in Yankee Stadium is a joke, which he's not he's the PA announcer. He's not a, he, he's not an analyst that you're paying. He's your PA announcer. It, it I want to hear my PA announcer knocking other teams. I want to hear it in his voice, that excitement. Right. right? Those are the things that you want to hear and you want to see. So it sucks that he's not there. I, I hope more details come out because I want to know what those details are. Um, otherwise, I have you know my conspiracy theories that they're, they're, there's reasons that they want to just cut ties. Right. They cut ties with everything else. Why not cut ties with Ryan Wagner Exactly. Radner They've too.
4: gotten rid of all their paid... Paid talent. He's the one that's been there the longest now. Related to everybody else, they can find a high schooler to do that job, and that's what they're going to do. The the only thing
0: here's the thing. The only thing that doesn't ring money to me on this was that it literally happened the day before opening day. If it was a money thing, they would have made that business decision weeks ago to plan for opening day. They literally made this call the night before opening day found the next best thing that could halfway do the job, which was, and, and I'm not saying she did a bad job, but she found, I, I think she hey, does She does the
2: Sundays usually. She does some, she'll, know, she'll come she up she and does, she, she does, does for Bowie. Right, well, she right she but she's, Bowie. she's filled in on Sundays. Mother's Day, she's done before. Uh, Father's Day, la- or two years ago, she's she's done some fill-in I, spot roles I heard before. that
6: she was like in PA and she had to hurry up and run down here. Right, yeah, and that's what yeah. I'm
0: saying. Like this, all happened in result of something, and it sounds like it was in result of a tweet. That's why I say I don't think that this was a a money ploy. Like they tried to, you know, they cut the fat in all the broadcasting and in many different ways. Right, I just don't they, think that that. But
4: are they looking for a reason? That's I, the other thing that kind of comes in, or was it that was that very soft tweet? And when he was brought, they brought up to it again, like we don't want you putting out these tweets. We've told you. He told off the boss, and now he's gone. I mean, you know, it could yeah. be anything like that. It
0: could yeah. be. And I mean, again, if it was one of the two tweets that I mentioned in question, he I'd had tell F, off the boss too. He had every right to tell off the <laughs> boss. at that <laughs> point. absolutely out. ridiculous. Well,
2: let's let's turn our focus to some o, run through some oh yes and some oh nos. Yeah, uh, some oh yes, some good hi, highlights uh, of the past week. Mullins, your boy Mullins is
0: staying hot. Yeah, I mean, this switch to him not being a switch hitter anymore,
5: going yeah, the to the left, left side.
0: side of the plate, it's obviously working out really, really well for him. He came into this series uh, hitting, where is his average? 459 going into today's doubleheader. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's got a crazy hitting streak right going on right now that leads into last year. Uh, he made the amazing catch on opening day that we you know yeah that we missed. Um, it, listen, Cedric Mullins to me has always been a guy that I thought could be a table setter, could be that legitimate leadoff hitter because of what he brings as a total package. He's got the speed, he's got the bat. He just hasn't been able to put it together all in one right. time at the major league level. He's finally starting to do that. Yeah,
2: we're seeing it. It's, good. it's definitely good to see. Uh, the home opener you mentioned, obviously the Matt Harvey there. Pitch a, pitch a decent game. It was well enough to win. The The, the bullpen had some failures, but I, there's some bright spots coming out of Matt Harvey. It, it's not the, you know, the six, seven innings that we'd like to see, uh, but, you know, four, I think four and two thirds in the first game, five and a third, the second game, uh, I'll take it start of the season ease into it for a guy like Matt Harvey build up the trade value he's looking pretty decent so didn't mind seeing that Uh, we mentioned Trey Mancini Saturday gets his first home run uh, since coming back big no moment for him and opening day he got his first base hit of the season so you know he had some struggles at
0: first at the plate but
2: kind of starting to come around maybe that's maybe that's some nerves right kind of pressing a little bit wanting
0: to come back I think that's what it is you know he's just trying to do a little bit too much at the plate Trey is a guy though he's a professional hitter he'll get it figured out. I don't worry about it at all. Um, and obviously, he's still got a, the pop in the bat. I mean, he's hit, what, two home runs now, both of them. Not just give me home runs. I mean, they were no. they were good shots. They were so. good shots. You know who good also had a good shot? was Ryan Mountcastle. He Laser did. beam. He did. Ryan Mountcastle. Look he good. He did.
3: You know, Joe over time. here. Ooh, we got an oh no coming up. <laughs> oh, oh so Alright, let's jump into uh, it. Joe, what's the first oh, oh no? no, oh, no, man. no. So, as you know, this uh, Seats are zip tied. So there's four people in our row. Literally yep. four people. And we're in the middle. Perfect spot for home run balls. So <laughs> it's you know, they're doing their warm-ups and you know, doing their thing. At the end and of the thing, Mount Castle inning. looks back and we lock eyes. Like <laughs> and I stand up like this. And he took two hot dogs two, in his mouth. They, now, yeah. <laughs> Wait, that's what he did with his hands. I went like this. And, Scott, you know, as they talk in Little League, two hands catch the ball. Yeah. I'm ready. The ball's literally floating oh, at man. me. I'm going, I'm going to get a ball for my kids. I'm going to be the best dad in the world. And then all, all of these of thoughts of sudden, are going through his head <laughs> as this is happening. <laughs> yeah. um, and then all of a sudden, Big Bear Paul over here goes, <laughs> one-handed in front of me. <laughs> Butterfingers, <laughs> and the ball f- flies off, goes in the front. I round. pulled. I pulled it to Kimday Mutumbo. No, 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 not good. today. <laughs> you should have just
2: batted it back onto the field.
0: Uh, do I that. was so confident I was going to catch uh, that ball that I was yeah. surprised when I didn't. I was like, uh, "Bam!" It hit off the top two fingers. and went. There. Okay. I got the booze and everything. Uh, Man, I,
3: it was I'm bad. just standing there with both hands like this. Like, <laughs> what just happened? Because we locked eyes. Like we <laughs> locked <everybody>. eyes. <laughs> this and. Fred just comes that way, <laughs> full basket catch. No, 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 not today. Uh, <laughs> so he did get some shit. For uh, well, college. well, it was funny.
2: Maybe, maybe that was probably part of the problem. Maybe you know, Fred wore
0: off on Mount Castle because Mount Castle. Can't catch them. can't catch
1: shit. <laughs> yeah, in the
0: outfield. You talk about the oh nos, like Ryan Mountcastle. We all know what he can bring at the plate, but he hasn't even been doing that to start the season yet. I mean, he's got obviously he's got a home runner, I think two maybe at this point. Yeah. Um. But yeah, defensively, we all talk about why isn't Mount Mountcastle here yet? Why isn't he up at the major league level yet? I don't care about the defensive blunders. We can deal with all that. He needs to be up here. Well, we're seeing why I didn't want the defensive blunders in the outfield. If I'm being honest, yeah, I don't, I, I, I,
2: don't think he should be there. I think he should be rotating third base and first base, giving Trey Mancini some time off. You know, on occasion, give you know, let him bat DH. But for whatever reason, they are they've stuck with him up until just a few days ago. He was the left fielder, and it was happening. But here's the deal: he's not the only one. You know, yeah, he's having issues with tracking the ball. Throws he opening day runner on second is like oh, 20 man. feet off second and he throws the ball it was a laser beam it wasn't bad but he throws it to second if that ball is not online we got a runner on third
0: now right
2: you don't do that it's fundamentals with these guys and we see it again the infield infield issues we have bobbled balls from uh Franco Ruiz your ass all each with one error uh Galvis, you you not impressed by. Him. I have not have been error, impressed.
0: I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Freddie Galvis. I mean, he like when they signed him, it was all supposed to be he's you know another defensive gem in the middle of the diamond that they'll have. They're replacing Iglesias, obviously. He has not looked good defensively or offensively. He yeah, hasn't
2: had any errors, but he's not. Hold he doesn't on. seem to have the range. He did is the him? slowest. Did you shortstop I've ever
6: seen? Did you see him what he did the other night? The base hit to to go into over uh, to. No, no. he innings? went to go field a ball. And he couldn't throw it because his, his hand got stuck in his hair, <laughs> uh. so he couldn't throw the ball. That's uh, not surprising. Either, I mean, his coming. hair is ridiculous. Yeah. Well,
0: so that's yeah. why
6: Tori you know, got
4: tackled by his hair, and then he cut it. So maybe he'll cut his hair now. No, like yeah.
0: he came up and like the problem to is, play. and the problem is when you're when you're a middle infielder and you're throwing the ball and your hand comes back behind your head, there's chances are you're going to hit your hair. But that's why. i mean, like Torrey that. Smith, chances right. are you'll get
4: tackled by your dreads, and he did, and next week it was gone. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see if we can learn something wow. today. But then the other, the other
2: big fundamental, this
4: is the one that I, I
2: literally was screaming. Oh, oh, the rundown? I was screaming <laughs> at the TV. Ridiculous. Because you see this first and second – Pop throw. I will say it was a great pop throw down to first base. You get him in this rundown. You get Devers in the rundown, but you're not paying attention to the runner on third base and he scores. And then you tag the guy out to the end of the inning.
0: Right. Yeah.
2: I don't care. Let him get to second base if that means you got to throw it home to, to stop the run. If you got to start charging home or start charging, what you actually should do as as whether you're a first baseman in Trey Mancini, whether you're uh, Rio Ruiz, Freddie Galvis, I don't care who you are, in that moment, you are trying to get him on the rundown, but your eyes that entire time are on the guy on third base, and if he hits a, a quarter to a third down the line, yeah, you start charging him exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's fundamental baseball. I learned that in 7, eights, nine tens, 9, 10s growing up. Exactly. Yeah. And so you you
2: start charging and it just didn't happen and they the the worst part about it is nobody saw it until he was 20 feet from home plate.
6: Yeah. I want to bring my popcorn over here and watch a game with Scott. Dude. God. <laughs> it's, it's interesting.
2: Fundamentals
3: drive yeah. Joe, Joe knows. Know. Fundamentals <sighs> drive me nuts. Well, good thing you missed and, that catch? <laughs> <laughs> two hands, Fred. Two hands. Yeah. He was uh, getting it for
4: Emma. <laughs> He's
6: trying. Joe, oh, Joe just said, Hey, I uh, just want to let you know I invited you. <laughs> <laughs> you owe uh, me a ball. You're
4: a guest in this
0: house. <laughs> uh, and then man. another one came a, a few innings oh, yeah, later yeah. to the right of me, and I was hesitant to go grab it. I'm like, No, I don't want to, I want to miss it again. I don't want to miss it again.
2: So, <laughs> the other, the other big thing, and then I want to do one more little quick rant. Uh, too many batters are
0: getting walked. You're the one that kind of pointed this out to me. Yeah, 30 baseball <sighs> balls in nine games before yeah. this tonight's doubleheader. Not going to cut it. Like I Listen, this team's already got enough challenges as it is, just offensively, defensively, all of these things. Strikeouts. The pitchers just got to get the ball over the plate. If you're going to get beat by these guys just hitting you nonstop, putting up 20 hits a game, let them do that let them prove themselves i mean even the best hitters the the hall of fame hitters mm-hmm. only hit 30% of the time right but if you're going to walk them they're going to take right. every walk that they get you can't be too careful to these guys let them put the ball in play no and that's that's the problem is we're being we're being
2: bad on both sides of the mound right. meaning not only are we getting the walks, right, but the strikeouts. We forgot to mention this: five straight games with 13 plus strikeouts, 10 plus strikeouts in eight of our nine games up to this, up to these two games. I don't know what's going on right yet, but 111 strikeouts in nine games. Yeah, that is just absolutely ridiculous. These guys are swinging at pitches that are way out of the strike zone. They're not being disciplined at the plate. I'm not liking what I'm seeing. Uh, we start. We I thought we saw it in the first game in the Boston series, we, but. They just got too cocky and just thought they could hit everything. So it is what it is. But the the last thing I want to rant on, and I don't know if any of you guys saw this. Um, There was somebody on Facebook on one of the Baltimore Orioles uh, Facebook groups that happened to catch, and they put the the video next to the the radio call Mm -hmm. by Melanie Newman. We all saw the play at the plate. Santander throws it to Severino. He's out. It's a great double play. Great play. Ends the game, wins the game for the Orioles. Well, I want to share with you, this was Melanie Newman's call on the radio of that play.
3: Fry brings it all together. <laughs> One, two. LeMay, Hughes swings, drives it out towards right field. Santander scoops in. Runner takes off. The throw to the plate. Severino covers. And he makes the out. The Yankees have tried it three times. They won't succeed this time. But now, laying
0: exactly. on the ground... <laughs> That's the sheer
3: disbelief. As the she's Orioles more concerned about shell on the
0: ground. This is a game ending play from the outfield to beat the Yankees in New York. Right. I don't care if it's a regular season game, I don't care if the expectations for the Orioles aren't high. You are a color analyst. Well, Where's the color? It's pretty so, fucking black and white to so, me. And that's the thing. So
2: I, I, I had to go look. And the guy actually, he did a great job because I went to go look. And then I realized he put the link to what I was looking for. I was looking for a similar call from Joe Angel. There's people out there that hate Joe Angel. And I don't understand How? why. Because you get that you same that same type of situation. Here's Joe Angel's call of a very similar situation to end the game and win it for the Orioles
3: he delivers to ramirez oh. who swings and he lines it over it machado, it. machado and that's a base hit that ball is heading for the corner now matuk is head for third he's going to be waved in here's the machado relay the tag they got him they got him they got him they got him at the that's plate! a hell of a call and that's how the ball game ends the machado relay they got him at the plate and the orioles in the win column
2: Right. You're the home you're the That's home. That's a endless. regular
0: season game just as much as the other
2: game was a regular season game. That is color commentary. I, I don't know why people don't like Joe Angel. To me, Joe Angel is right up there to an extent with the John Millers in our history of color broadcasting on the radio john miller is one of the best i i hated the fact that when he went to san francisco i hated that i still hate it to this day i think he should have stayed with the orioles they yeah. should have extended because the Orioles have a,
0: had some great voices Every he's time. a great
2: one and it, you know even a guy i could i guarantee you and joe you could back me up on this one i guarantee you either of us could go find a very similar call from jim hunter
3: oh uh, yeah Fred right? probably too. Right? right. And so, you know, I, I get we're, we're, we're
2: ushering in a new age and, and we're, we're trying to do things.
4: But the new age is supposed to be less boring, not more boring. Right. right. You're supposed to bring that's attention. That's my point is if exactly. you're going to be a
2: color analyst on the radio. First of all, she says, oh, Santander scoops in. What the fuck does that mean? Did he scoop the ball up? Did it get, Did it hit the ground? You got pick like, up your lingo. No, it was a line drive. <laughs> it, like, if I'm calling that, it's line drive to Santander. He makes play. Runner's going from third. Here's the plate. The plate. Severino gets him. the or- He's out. The Orioles win. Like, the call is there. Yeah, it sounded I don't like there were more room. people yeah.
6: to be up at bat. Like, the game wasn't over.
0: Right. Right. That's yeah. what I thought when I heard that clip yeah. is that, that it was just the end of an of an inning. Yeah. You know, yeah. it wasn't
6: the end of a game.
0: And then you have to wait, and she goes, Severino gets it, and that's it.
4: The Orioles <laughs> win it 4-3 yeah. to three in the and 11th. It, it never escalated during the call you heard with with joe angel out it was as he turned third he got a little bit more excited in his right. voice a little bit there's more excited, and a, a crescendo, crescendo that's for her it was just flat <laughs> yeah nothing speech the whole time
2: even the radio the
4: play, and She's, he doesn't belong on this, shell and tell much less <laughs> with the orioles
0: and this is radio <laughs> not tv broadcast you are supposed to be bob rossing it fucking painting a picture right there's <laughs> a lot of car no,
2: bob ross I, I don't i look it's nothing against Melanie Newman in that sense. It's it's everything the fact that if you're gonna do this job, you need to embrace it. She's being called, you know, she's called the the color analyst, right? Then you gotta paint the picture to your point. Yeah. If you're not doing that, you're losing listeners. You, you you look dumb. I'm sorry, you look dumb. That was a great play to end the Not to mention that guy that tried scoring. He started the inning on second base because of the new rule this year. Like, there's so many things. Also, everything
4: against Melanie Newman. She was the only one responsible for that call, and she failed. And everything against all the announcers that aren't Rob Long. That's my personal opinion.
0: Okay. (laughs) All right, Scott, it's time for this week's uh, Brew of the Week, Liquor Stop Brew of the Week. I drank it so fast that I don't even know how this tasted anymore. <laughs> I don't even remember. There's an extra like, one over there. We're like two it. hours into the show. I'm pretty sure I was yeah. done this. Like we're gonna an run, hour and 45 minutes ago. We're gonna
2: have to run through shell and tell. Uh, to, so this is from Molly's Brewery. Uh, it is out of Frederick, Maryland. Uh, so with them, they are. This is their defend the frontier. It is a 7.4 percent. IB, IPA. Uh, it, it's not bad. It goes down pretty smooth for an IPA. It doesn't necessarily have the Apparently bite that, we, so. that we've that we had with IPA. Yeah, it's, if you drank that whole thing before we got to it, it's there. Uh, the other thing that I bought uh, which wasn't bad, this one is actually from Nepenthe Brewing. So this is actually one that I said, hey, I want a milkshake IPA. What do you recommend? Jerry recommended this for me. Uh, so this is straight down to Baltimore uh, right down on Falls Road. This
4: is the meanest cream sickle you'll ever see in your life. <laughs>
2: it is. It is. Uh, but it's the creamsicle IPA, uh, it's not too heavy, but not too sweet either. Right. It, it's, it has a balance to it. Um, I, IPAs are obviously, it's, a, it's an acquired taste. Uh, milkshake IPAs make it a little bit more tolerable. But he did say that this company also has amazing food. So we're going to have to try to figure out how to get out, get down there to the pent. I-83 probably works pretty good. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> uh, so make sure you guys head up to Liquor Stop, 1510 Conowingo Road. Tell them Birdland and BS sent you. Get your 10% off.
0: All right, Ryan. It's time for some shell and tell talk. Is it? <laughs> Rapid fire. <laughs> we're, just, we're two hours and six minutes into this thing. All right. Well, we're gonna go a little quick. Now you know how if, the Orioles segment feels.
2: All right. Sir, if you like, we
4: get five minutes. If you like any of these topics, please tune into actual shell and tell. We're gonna talk these a lot longer later in the week. We are. All right. So basically, we had a couple more announcements this week. Ayala and Wiggins joined the Keep Your Options Open Club. Yeah. Where they decide to. Uh, put their name in the NBA draft but not hire an agent.
0: It makes sense. Like I said to you off air, I think all these guys are doing the right thing, testing the water, but I think we'll see a lot of these guys come back.
4: Well, I think a lot of people agree with you because we're still rating a lot of preseason polls, and if these guys leave, we're not much better than we were this year. Right. So um, uh, we, we have another uh, departure outside of the player ranks. It looks like DeAndre Haynes um, is leaving the coaching staff, going to join Shaka Smart's crew at Marquette. Haynes spent the last two years under Mark Turgeon. Um, He came from Michigan under the John uh, Beheim coaching tree. Um, Was given a lot of credit for his offensive prowess and for guard play. I haven't seen a lot of improvement in the guards that isn't just talent driven to me. Like our guards are good; they can shoot, but I haven't seen any new age techniques any new offenses that Turge is letting him put out there so if Turgeon's going to let him do his job then you know maybe it's not that big a downgrade at all
0: yeah i didn't see any loss with this i mean this was a guy like you said that came in he did have some recruiting ties which was good uh which would just help mark turgeon but outside of that uh from an x's and o's perspective i didn't see much of improvement from prior to him the two years to the two years he was here
4: yeah so as you see with our uh our question background there what we got right now so where do we stand as a team uh we stand as a team we had two official transfers out anquan smart is gone Chol mariel is gone
0: so did anquan smart announce a commitment elsewhere or he just put his name in the portal he
4: just he put his name in the portal but he had no um reckon uh nothing in his statement said that he would was leaving the option of returning home to maryland just like the other guys did anquan smart's looking for playing time we already have replaced him with our two incoming transfers
0: And you've got the other uh, freshman from last year, Dockery, who's still around. Dockery
4: is still around, and Hart obviously was playing above both those guys. Right. Uh, Then we got transfer in of guard um, uh, Fats Russell, who was a big upgrade over our guard that we lost in Anquan Smart, and our center of Kwadis Wahab, uh, who's a big upgrade over Cho Mariel. So for the two officials and two coming, we've done very well. The question is, what happens with our three to four, if you include Galen Smith, undecided individuals, that makes us right back where we were, or a top 25, maybe even top 15 type team next year?
0: I mean, right now, that everybody nationally has got them. And they've improved uh, the most point, the way that they stand. Which I
4: think in order to get there, you have to bring two of the three home.
0: Yeah, I got to see a Wiggins come back. I want to see Ayala come back. I'd love to see Morcell come back. I just... I don't know. I think the the -the over-the-seas thing may come calling to him, uh, and if he can make money over there, I don't blame him. I
4: think the only way you get more sellback is if both of them do come back. I do feel even the coaching departure hurts because when you're talking, let's give it another run, you wanted to see all the pieces back, you know, like, like, let's give it another run, the same right. team that you've been running with. So the more people that leave, the less likely Morsell is able to go. So if Wiggins dips, I don't think you see sell at all.
0: Who knows? Maybe we see this big group press conference where everybody announces that they're making the last run. The
4: other thing that makes me think that as well is, of course, this every year, you don't have to announce when you're a senior that you're not coming back. So Galen right. Smith doesn't usually have to announce that you're not coming back, but he does have a year of extra eligibility available. And in order to be in the NBA draft, they have made the rule the NBA did that you have to announce that you're in the NBA even as a senior. Usually you don't have to make that announcement as a senior. You're just automatically entered into the pool of applicants. Right. So the fact that you've heard nothing from him is exactly, if I was Coach Turgeon, what I would do with Galen Smith. I would go, hey, stay quiet, stay in the shadows. I'd like to have you back, but if we try to upgrade that position, I don't want you – existing on the roster scaring somebody off and they're not getting enough playing time. You know your role, you want to run this in, Man. stay quiet. Doesn't doesn't if he's your third center or your backup four and five, yes.
0: <laughs> I agree with you, but that's asking a lot of Galen to you know, just kind of sit back and hope.
4: Yeah, well, I mean, what's he doing? Is after college. What did you do after school? I mean, you just start applying I guess, for jobs. If I you guess, get a great job, you're not coming back. If well, you don't get a great job, thing. let's play ball. The only other <laughs> thing that we
0: haven't clarified <laughs> on this show was, can they use that extra eligible year of eligibility elsewhere? They can. Okay. Um, so I mean, that but he, he does has, have he, options if he wants to And he has go not
4: announced and entering the transfer portal either. As of so, yet. So, as of yet. Right. Yeah. So we'll see. All right, so that's it with basketball. Again, we'll get into deeper this later this week. Um, football not hearing good news. like QB front again. Uh, QB <sighs> 2 currently and preferred walk-on Eric Najarian rumored to have a season-ending upper body injury. Uh, this was originally rumored, and then he was seen at practice only handing the ball off for an entire practice, no throws, which makes me think... Oblique, <laughs> elbow, or shoulder, most likely shoulder, because elbow or oblique could be injured further by practicing, and your shoulder is only going to get injured from throwing. So.
0: Sounds like that last open scholarship that we have might switch and go over the importance of quarterback instead of offensive line. You know, you would think that, but everything
4: I'm seeing is still offensive lineman, And the argument is, if you get another quarterback in here that knows they're going to be behind Talia... How much of an upgrade would that be over what you have anyway? What you do is you get an offensive lineman that keeps Talia clean and keeps him upright all year. And if you don't get him, keep him upright all year, then your season was pretty much lost anyway, no matter who was back there. So if you don't have a lineman to keep it, to keep, you know, your second string quarterback clean, what good was he? Because he only lasted one game. Because now he's injured
0: too. I get it, but that's a It's a it big is, gamble. It is a
4: big gamble. Um, the team still stands by the fact that vmi qb reese Sudinski with his yeah. torn acl in spring is going to be ready for fall in some kind of you know martian type surgery <laughs> that has him ready in four months um and then other big news is on the offensive line yeah. so this this was kind of unexpected um spencer anderson who played a lot of right tackle for us last year um he's been moved into the center position i actually was going to mention that to your buddy has a good case study yeah. on the same team moving from tackle to center to see how those things translate
0: yeah, that'll be interesting to see. I mean, I think this was a – obviously, center was a position in need, so I think they were kind of forced their hand here to yeah, do that. Yeah, Johnny
4: Jordan left for Virginia <laughs> Tech last year and exactly. kind of left, left their hand out.
1: Yeah,
0: so we'll see. I mean, they, again, they still have that open spot with a scholarship. A nice starting center would be sweet.
4: Yeah, they were hoping Austin Fontaine would take that spot. He was originally the one practicing it. Uh, there was reports that he came in extremely underweight. Um, so oh, he, wow. And apparently with this uh, change from with Spencer Anderson from tackle to center, obviously he was underperforming as well. Um, I think with Talia being the right-handed quarterback, you're probably going to beef up your whole left side and just hope and being athletic that if he sees something coming from the right side, he doesn't get killed. Same right. thing. You're just trying to keep him upright. Right. Um, so you got those three probably going to lock down the left-hand side. Um,
0: what about uh, Emilio Moran? I know he was a, a big freshman that came in last year.
4: Yeah, Emilio Moran, he was a three-star freshman. Uh, he came in at 6'5", 308 last year. Impressive tape. Played a lot of guard in high school, believe it or not, even though he was definitely the biggest kid on the line. Yeah. But he's that athletic that they had were able to use his his size and pulling and, and move him around more instead of just being a wall that you're not coming around. Um, so he played a little bit of, of right tackle for us last year, and it looks like he's your starter if you don't get a transfer in. Um and he beefed up this last year. He's six six three thirty. So that's nice. a that's, that's a, a big upgrade in one year.
0: That's a huge guy for your tackle spot.
4: Yeah. So hopefully that's, as of right now that's your right tackle. I will say that they have put out um offers to six seven three zero eight immediately eligible Max Ray out of Ohio State. Um, his quote that makes me think that we have a run at this is my time to play is running out. Um, I can't afford to wait another year. Well, we got an open spot for you, boss man. <laughs> yeah, man. And with and Amelia Moran is not going to you know be worried about playing guard like I said it was most of his high school time. So if you stick this man in at right tackle for us, you got our solid uh, Duncan on left tackle and now you got Moran playing guard. All of a sudden your starting lineups looking pretty thick you got your, your last year's right tackle playing center. Right. That's a big 10 offensive line now.
0: Yeah, and we need a good rotation on the offensive line. To your point, especially <clears throat> if you're not going to have the depth at the quarterback position behind Talia, you've got to do everything that you can to keep him upright and to keep him protected. So offensive line depth is going to be key. Yep. For sure. All right, man. All right, Scott, it's time for this week's rundown. I'm going to let you kick this week's off. All uh, right. With the first topic.
2: So this week we got uh, we had history at the Masters. Uh, if you didn't hear about it, Hideki Matsuyama won this weekend's Masters a uh, score of 10 under. Uh, look, This Masters wasn't super exciting. We saw Phil Mickelson struggle. We saw Rory, Rory McIlroy struggle. Jordan Spieth looked like he was made, making a run and then fell off. Uh, Justin Rose was kind of the big name that uh, held it. And just couldn't hold off uh, Matsuyama. Matsuyama just kept going, kept going for it, uh, kept hitting the the, uh, the birdies. Uh, just wasn't overall an exciting one. I I think in part because Phil wasn't really involved. Phil barely. I think I don't, I don't think Phil made the cut. I didn't see a whole lot of, of Phil at all, right. uh, except for day one, day two. Singer um, Tour.
0: He was like three <laughs> over par the last time I saw
2: him. Yeah. So and I think four four was originally the cut, but I know that he he finished I think probably worse than that. Uh, but with Matsuyama, he made history as he's the first
0: male golfer from Japan to win a major championship. And judging by the photos I saw on Twitter, you would have <laughs> never thought that was the case. This kid is literally sitting, what was it, in the Atlanta airport? Yeah. Sitting yeah. in the airport, out in the concourse. He was walking with, through it with it, with holding it. and then <laughs> And then just sitting in the chair with his master's jacket, just draped over the chair next to him in the middle of the airport. Like how... You know, like, that's just not something you're ever going to see. No. Well, and the other the
1: other thing that Crazy. was
2: great about this, you know, it's, he's been around for 10 years, right? Yeah. So he's been on tour for 10 years. At this he started point. as an amateur. He started as an amateur, uh, worked his way, you know, continued to, to put the, the nose to the grindstone. And, he, and he's had a few, like, smaller wins, but never a major championship. Right. Uh, so for him to get this, it was great. And and the other thing that I thought was was respectful and just great of the Japanese culture his caddy. Did you see that? His caddy at the end of the, after he hit the last putt. Yeah, the his photo. caddy. His, he, he just had the emotion with his caddy. His caddy has the flag and says, All right, I'm going to go put the flag at, goes and puts the flag back. And after he puts the flag back, takes his hat off and bows to the course. Yeah. You know, and that's just, it's, it's a respect thing. You know, I've, I've played golf. It's, golf gets the best of you sometimes. You played golf. Sometimes, all the time. All the time. But even at that level, to have the respect, in that situation you don't necessarily see that and it's i felt like that was a scenario as if as if you saw somebody who didn't come from that culture maybe you know it came from a different culture that just kind of stood there and soaked it in for a second that's what i you know this is this is a tough course and i I pay my respects to this course kind of thing that's what we saw so just great little great little feel good story
6: uh so nice to see all right james what do you got for us this week there you you go Uh, i'm sorry i took myself (laughs) off um well at least we have one thing coming out of uh, Georgia at the Atlanta game. Uh, they were playing the Phillies. Uh, Freeman hit a home run. Uh, this boy Joshua Scott was left—I mean, right of catching the ball. He missed it. Maybe it was like you know what Fred did to um,
3: <laughs> to Joe, basically.
6: Um, but it fell into the bullpen area. Um, one of the players like threw it back. He caught it, uh, sat back down with his dad, and he eventually gave it back to. Uh, uh, young man uh, another boy that was wearing a Freddie Freeman jersey um one of the, I guess some Atlanta faculty saw what happened came back down and this was Friday so they I guess they were in town or whatever but they offered him to come back on Sunday Freeman uh got a hold of it got a ball signed by him but also got Harper to sign it gave it to him and then apparently the Phillies uh, signed some merchandise and gave it to the young boy too for the the jester uh, awesome. that he That's did. Awesome. But you know it's good good story to you know to get back. You know, for for a kid to give a ball yeah. that they got to another kid, Just it's pretty kind. impressive.
0: Yeah, and you know that fan to player interaction is so poor, important. I remember being a kid and staying after the games and going out to the parking lot and and the players coming up and signing autographs like it was no problem. I mean, guys did it all the time. These guys they're getting paid so much and they they just they don't have that personable and if they can make money off their signatures doing it somewhere else they're going to do that versus just signing at the games you don't see it often enough especially so.
6: harper because yeah. he doesn't like to sign balls period <laughs>
0: exactly yeah. so that, that, that's a great story yeah, for sure great, great sorry ryan what do you got all right all
4: right, so my uh, my story is not quite as heartwarming. Uh, <laughs> I have a little Masters type tie with Tiger over here, but um, charges have officially been filed against uh, the pre Super Bowl accident on February fourth with Britt Reed. Oh, um, yeah. Right before the Super Bowl, Britt Reed, who's Andy Reed's son and offense, so I think he was an offensive coordinator or something for them. Can't offensive the, assistant or something, maybe. Right. You know, in other words, my, my son needs some money, and <laughs> yeah. I'm great. Put <laughs> so him on you guys should hire me and my son. Thank you. Yeah. Um, he's had plenty of history in the past running into, with all kinds of things. But at this time, he ran hard at 84 miles an hour into two parked cars on the exit ramp just outside of the Chiefs facility. This accident left a five-year-old girl critically injured oh, wow. at the time and since. She's a TBI and has been rendered unable to speak or walk and is being using a feeding tube. So I haven't basically, updates, so
0: you knew it was bad because, I mean, they kept this so hush hush the entire time, didn't release any details of the situation. That's, uh,
4: but you know rough. what the
6: worst part of it? They said if he's found guilty, he's only going to serve seven years in jail.
4: Yep, seven years is the max. So, um, so he said the cars were parked there on the shoulder due to one car having a dead battery. The other one was a cousin there to help them get their dead battery sorted out. Right. Um, Reed later at the hospital had a .113 blood alcohol level. Jesus. Um, Reed surrendered to the police um, after the charges were filed. Then posted his $100,000 bail that daddy got him. Um, and he is on bond with a GPS ankle monitor, alcohol monitoring system in his car, a little blow-and-go. Um, he's subject to random drug tests um, and can't go to anywhere where alcohol is the primary source Sale, so a bar. Um, if convicted, like I said, could only get seven years. Um, Reed admitted on the scene to having two to three drinks and <laughs> prescription Adderall before the incident. Wow, it's crazy.
6: His the, Reed's other son committed suicide. So yeah, it's not uh, this, You
4: know what? The it, same but, year that his son committed suicide, he won Man of the Year with the NFL. Just you, putting
2: that out there. You feel you feel for that family though, because I mean, in that scenario, it, it, this girl. Is, and this family has to live with this for the rest of this girl's life. Yeah. Right. It wasn't like it was just a, a situation where the girl passed and, you know, it's, and not saying that that's any better. Right. But now this girl has to live and function. She's five years old. I, I have a five year old. Yep. I would be livid. It, we attempted manslaughter, in my opinion, only. for seven <laughs> years. You, you ruined my child's life. Yeah. They charged it him was, with
4: DUI and reckless endangerment, but vehicular manslaughter was not one of the charges they say that they yes. are holding him to the strictest account of the law that there will be no tiger treatment here but it feels tiger-esque
0: drew says he'll get five years probation bank on it. it's a shame
4: that's yeah, true yeah.
0: all right so in my story uh now lighten us up a little bit now Fred. For, i don't know we'll see now <laughs> former patriot julian edelman announced his retirement via social media yesterday I don't know if you guys saw this. I did see this. But before he announced his retirement, the Patriots actually announced that they released him, which immediately sent everybody into a "Oh, well, we're we're just put him in the the Ring of Honor with the Buccaneers because that's where he's going. He's going to be a Buck. He's going to partner up with Tom Brady. They're going to win another three Super Bowls together until they're fifty years old. <laughs> then, of that's course, week eight. Yeah. <laughs> then, of course, <laughs> yeah. Then of course, yeah. He announced the 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 retirement himself via Twitter video, stating an injury that he suffered last season, uh, toward the end of the season. What was the wheels are falling off moment for him? Because he said he was going to play until the wheels came off, and he said that that was the wheels came off. His words, yeah. And then boom! Instantly, the the debate on social media (laughs) changes from him going to the Buccaneers to is this guy a Hall of Famer or not? And people were on. Very, very opposite ends to this and going back and forth on this. For me, I don't think this guy is a Hall of Famer at all. He played on a Hall of Fame team. If you could put a team in the Hall of Fame, he played for a Hall of Fame team during a dynasty era. But when you just look at this guy's numbers over his career, nothing is mind-blowing about what this guy did. Take the Super Bowls out of the equation for a second, right? 620 career receptions. That's 75th all-time. 6,822 receiving yards. That's 156th all-time. 36 receiving touchdowns. Uh, Yeah, that's not ranking up there with anybody. Pretty
6: sure Megatron had like 36 in a season. That's like yeah. what Dion says. Everybody gets in the <laughs> Hall of Fame. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: yeah, right. But here's the thing. What he has zero of, he has zero Pro Bowl appearances. Zero all pro selections, zero 1,200 yard, <laughs> yard receiving years, uh, zero seasons with more than eight total touchdowns.
4: He's not eligible for the Hall of Fame. They just did this with Ryan Fitzpatrick. You have to have been yeah. in a Pro Bowl in order to be in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Debate's well, over.
0: I don't know. The Hall of Fame put a tweet out saying that he was eligible in 2026. They put a tweet out. Yeah. Saying How do they that? just have That's this a
4: conversation that they you I couldn't don't get in? I don't know. A Pro
0: maybe Bowl. maybe the Super Bowl or the Super Bowl MVP, which he did win. Oh God, trumps yeah. that. I don't know, but they did put out a tweet. But the funniest tweet, the tweet of the day, which had me rolling and had me rolling again before the show, Bo Wolf of The Athletic in Philly put out a tweet. He said, Julian Edelman never even had a season where he had led all white guys in receiving yards, which made me die laughing. I don't know if it's true or not, but either way, it's fucking hysterical. Uh, Of course... Gronk tweeted in a little bit later. He says he's giving it a 69% chance <laughs> 69. that Edelman will be back and he's going to be playing again. So that doesn't close the door on him potentially yeah. going to Tampa yeah. Bay. Well, the,
2: whole, the whole thing of them releasing him too was he, he basically told him, hey, I'm done. Go ahead. Don't worry about the payment. Cut me. You can get the cap space back. It is what it is. Chuck says
0: it. not first ballot, but probably at some point only because of his rings. I, I just I, – listen – this is why, like, I don't think Super Bowls should be the end all be all whether somebody gets in a a, a Hall of Fame or not. Cause if you're just looking at Super Bowl, Super Bowl MVP, and playoff performance, There's then Joe Flacco's that- a fucking Hall of Famer. Joe Flacco has a Super Bowl, a Super Bowl MVP, and he's one of the best historical quarterbacks in, in postseason playoff. play ever. But is he a Hall of Famer? No. He's a fringe Ring of Honor player. I mean, he'll be there, but he's a fringe Ring of Honor player. He's not a Hall of Famer. Julian Edelman is a product of a great team with an even greater quarterback. Uh, Wes Welker, I think somebody, I think Drew said mentioned him too. Wes Welker B for me is all Drew just Julian asked Edelman a question is.
2: about umpiring. Two-minute warning, Drew. Come on. You know better. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, man. Somebody's got to come up with a second question. No right? boundaries. Two topics. You're in the blind.
2: seconds each. <laughs> it's time for the two minute warning. No! You're over here throwing real gang signs, but you. I <laughs> like, don't know what I was doing. <laughs> You're like. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I had a seizure just now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what just happened. It's all elbow, no wrist. <laughs> All right, guys, warning, it's go. time for the two-minute warning. Who's reading the first question All right, for I us? Got the
6: first He's one. Got the first so, um, what is your guys' take on how um, these bad umpires calls are going on? Are you? Let, let me get your take on it. It's simple. You got to hold them accountable you you got to start saying that these guys you know
2: whether it's fines whether it's you know whether it's them saying you look you get you get three major strikes and you're out I don't know what it is but it's something to hold the umpires accountable the the uh, call in our game where Brandon High thrown out the check swing okay the call in the Mets game with the the clear lean into the pitch it's got to go and Angel
0: Hernandez why the fuck is he still here <laughs> the bigger problem in the call that you missed was the non tag of home plate that was yes. clear as clear could be on video replay. What the fuck do we have video replay for if it's not effective and we're not using it the way it should be used? This is the same problem we have had with umpiring for years. It has not gotten any better. This is the, it was same, the same problem before replay. Exactly. It's the same problem we had before replay, and here it is with replay, high-definition replay, and we still can't get the shit right. It's bogus. It's ridiculous. Go ahead, Joe.
3: All right. So if Wiggins... Or sell nil are back. I've seen um, some pundits say they're top ten team. How far do the Terps go? It, I think they. If, if all those guys come back, this
2: team could. They have the potential. If if all cylinders are firing, they could make it to the final four. I don't see it any further than that but I I could see them making it that far.
0: I think they can make a good run. Uh, The problem is still going to be size. I know they've got a nice guy that can play power forward and center now out of Georgetown, but he's one guy, right? They don't don't have a whole lot of depth there, uh, especially if they lose a piece like... Uh, Galen Gale. Smith, right? So if you don't have him back there, you're asking a freshman to come in and play big minutes. I like this kid that's coming in. Uh, I just don't know if they're a final four team. I definitely think that they have the potential to be a final four team. I just think they're more in that sweet 16 range. Uh, oh, God. Yeah, I, I don't see him being we'll a we We'll get final your four opinion
2: team. in the oh, quick, quick after hours. <laughs> All right, all right, Scott, sign us off. All right. all right, we appreciate you guys tuning in each and every week. Make sure you check out our website www.BirdlandBS While you're there, you can check out all of our episodes. You can get some Birdland BS gear. You can check out the latest episodes of the Shell and Tell podcast. James, James over there, he's got the new one. Get over to that casting couch. He, uh, Uh-oh. your your Uh-oh. camera's are uh, blocking the hey, got computer. He's got there you go. There's the new one. <laughs> <laughs> so make sure you check us out. Get your Birdland BS gear and more play.com and and BerlandSports. sports.com. You can big also check shout it out.
0: out to Cole Jackson. Thanks again for yes. joining us today. Big shout out to Joe Carlozo for coming into the show today. Thank you. I know we didn't get to involve you a ton in the show, but man, appreciate good. you doing big it. Big shout like, out to Garnett West. We yeah. love you too. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> invitations always open, Joe.
2: And uh, well, yeah, I mean, we might have to kick Drew off that. Much that's of fine. Ours. Who needs Drew? He can stay <laughs> for yeah. It.
1: You guys love Drew. you, Drew. Well, check us
2: out on all of our social media pages at Berland. Yes, is how you find us. If you want your opinion or topic heard on the show make sure you, you message us use our, our hashtag that's PLBS or contact us directly we try to get your questions and bring them up on the show as always the audio version of the, sp- of the podcast can be found on Spotify iTunes Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcast check us out drop us a review while you're there for all the guys for Fred Ryan James Joe Drew who's in Florida and we don't care about you Drew just <laughs> live kidding. it up buddy live it up <laughs> Myself, we'll see you guys next week.
0: See you guys.